Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. I just blew out uh, the ears of one Brooke Ripley at 7 o'clock. Time trial. Did you see that? I was shocked. Like, oh, we're, uh, we're going this morning. 7 o'clock in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. That is the voice of Brooke Grimsley, Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. Matthew Rocchio, who, by the way, does not like turkey, is oh, in the room. Uh-oh. Randy, we had a spirited like conversation like before we got on there. We did. We need, we, to, do, we, we need to podcast. We, we do. We should. I mean, the camera <laughs> should be rolling. Antonio Freeman, Stefan Diggs. And we haven't talked about Antonio Freeman in 25 years. I don't know. But, you know, it... Well, it Conversations come up here. Here's the thing. Uh, (laughs) This was all a product of uh, the guy, Evan Cohen, who's on with Michelle and Chris Canty, uh, talking about, is a Patriots fan, and he has an inherent dislike of Josh Allen. And I made the point, I sent this to Michelle, I don't know if she used it, but I've always, not always, but for the last few years, I've said, Josh Allen's basically Brett Favre. Last night, Josh Allen, in a loss to the Denver Broncos, uh, went 15 of 20, or yeah, 15 of 26 for 177, one touchdown, two interceptions. Okay, tenth game, sixth season for Josh Allen. 15 of 26, 177, a touchdown, two interceptions. Tenth game of Brett Favre's sixth season as a starter. 18 of 37, by the way, against the St. Louis Rams. 18 of 37, 306, one touchdown, two interceptions. Those two guys have a propensity to turn the ball over. They also have a propensity to be great and be able to win a game when most mortal physical specimens cannot. I I agree. Now, they both are quarterbacks that get you out of jams that they put you in. Yes, they are. are. Look at how great he played. Well, damn, if he played better in the first half, we wouldn't have had to play that well in the second half. I think, and I talk about this a lot, it it happened with the Cardinals, it happened with the greatest show on turf after Dick Vermeule retired. Sometimes a really good team or a really good athlete will see the fundamentals of their play deteriorate over the course of time. I believe with the departure of Brian Dayball from the staff in Buffalo, that's what's happened to Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen was a better quarterback under Brian Dayball than he is under Ken Dorsey. I think the Bills have become one of the more disappointing teams this season with high expectations going in and just to see it play out in this way. And what about Russell Wilson? Is Russell cooking? Russ is cooking. He, yep. He's he's efficient. Well, let's ride. What was it, 3.4 yards per pass through the air last night? <laughs> so, but you know what? He did it when he had to. Allen leads Buffalo on a drive to put them ahead, and Russ gets the ball back and does some cooking and sets up his team with a little help from the Bills. Everybody can relax right now. 41-yard drive for the win. Lutz. He missed it. 
But a flag is down. 12 men on defense. Five-yard penalty. Wow. Go fourth down. So there were 12 men out there for the Buffalo wow. Bills. And this will move the ball inside the 20, and it becomes a 36-yard game-winning field goal attempt by Will Lutz. There's nothing guaranteed. Good snap, good hold. Kick, perfect. And the Broncos have come to Buffalo. Of course, our buddy Joe Buck with the call last night on ESPN with Troy Aikman. OMG, if you are a Mm -hmm. Buffalo player, coach, fan, and he missed the field goal, but you had 12 men on the field. What an awful feeling this morning. It, it is, and it's a it's a mistake by the player. Again, mm-hmm. the coaches practice something. We prepare it all single, you know, all week long mm-hmm. for a single singular moment in a game. And when that moment arises, you have to be at your best. And one person on that field goal block team decided to stay out there that was not supposed to be out there. They had a brain for it. They just did not think about it. In that, in 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 terms of what they needed to do in that moment, and it cost them a game. And so, you know, some people are upset with the pass interference call. Okay, bad calls happen. You had an opportunity, and he missed the field goal, but you didn't take care of your part mm-hmm. of it, and you had too many people on on the field. That, those are the things that keep coaches up at night. That that when they talk about not sleeping well, not eating, mm-hmm. not taking, not taking care of themselves. It's moments like that where you like, where you're like, man, we literally worked <laughs> on this 25 times for five days and we did it wrong. Well, and it's like you said, it's kind of the position that you put yourself in, in that game, right? With those mistakes that Josh Allen has made. And when I was talking about them being Super Bowl favorites, I think it was fair to say that they were Super Bowl favorites going into this season and they got off to a three and one start, the Bills. And and then after that loss to the Jaguars, by the way, before that, the loss to the Jaguars, they were averaging around 34.8 points per game. And then after that loss, they've gone two and four, and now they're averaging 20.5 points per game in that span. What do you think is the biggest drop-off since then? It's turnovers. It's it's mm-hmm. always going to be turnovers with this team. Josh Allen is, is leading the NFL with 14 of them in 10 games that that's part of that's not part of that is the problem and Josh Allen is going to call Sean McDermott his job mm. right that's how it goes and you know Josh Allen is a top five quarterback in the league but a top five quarterback is going to cost a head coaches coach his job because he's not performing as a top five quarterback and one of the two interceptions last night was a tip by Gabe Davis running back fumbles Allen let's go with the ball for another fumble. You can't turn the ball over four times in the NFL and expect to win the game. The stat used to be, and I don't know if it's this, it it was if you were minus three or worse, you you won about 8% of the time. Yeah. One of the things to, 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 to look at as well, and this is when locker rooms start getting fractured, if you sat James Cook because he fumbled, Mm-hmm. Well, why in the hell isn't Josh Allen sitting? Like, that's a conversation that's a, because James Cook, like, man, I, I put it on the ground, but man, he, he does it Kyle three times Allen a game. In there. It, I'm not saying that you should bench Josh Allen, but if you're benching a player for making an egregious mistake, a, a, a mistake nonetheless, the guy that touches the ball every single snap is making a bunch more mistakes yeah. and is costing us at a higher rate. I so always go back those to that are the old, things that, that yeah. can fracture a locker room. The old Jimmy Johnson story when Kervin Richards, their backup running back, fumbled a couple of times in a road game. And when they were flying back on the plane, Jimmy Johnson cut Kervin Richards. 
And <laughs> Jimmy was asked about it the next day in his Monday post-mortem. And he said, uh, uh, somebody said, well, what would you do if, uh, if Emmett fumbled? He said, well, when Kerbin Richards fumbles, I cut him. When Emmett fumbles, I say, Emmett, please hang on to the ball. The, the, yeah. You treat people a different way. You, you can't treat everybody the same but, way. But James Cook is your starting running back. It would be different if it was Latavius Murray or or one of those other guys. You're like, yeah, okay, sit down. But that's your starting running back. So you got to – you gotta, and maybe they don't – obviously they don't look at him in that, in that way. But those are the things where people start – and now he goes to a teammate, man, you believe this? Like, yeah. He goes to Stephon mm-hmm. Diggs, man, they they's gonna sit me down and he and Stephon, man, yeah, I know he throw the right. ball to the other team every game, doesn't he? Like, those are the conversations that start happening in a locker room where you start to see it split at the seams. But quarterback is king, right? The the, the quarterback who's gonna have a forty seven million dollar cap hit next year and is mm-hmm. king. And guess what? He is going he is held accountable. Yep. He may not be in the coaches' offices. He'll outlast the coaches though. But in that locker room, Trust me, what he is or is not doing on the field, everyone knows and everyone is saying, hey, he has to be better. And by the way, the Buffalo Bills window, to your point, Brooke, is closing because (laughs) next year... Was that shutting? Yeah, Josh Allen's Allen's cap hit, and the NFL salary cap is roughly $200 million. Allen's cap hit goes from $18 million this year to $47 million next year. Stefan Diggs' cap hit this year goes, or next year goes from 14, right, essentially $15 million to $28 million. So you can't have two players making that much allocated money uh, on your team. That would be 47, 57, 67, 72 of your $200 million can't go to two players of a, uh, of a 53-man roster. And, and here's the thing. Stefan Diggs' brother, who is pretty famous himself, mm-hmm. tweeted something last night. Man, 14 got to get up out of there. Talking mm-hmm. about talking about Stefan Diggs. He he mm-hmm. got to get out of there. Yeah. And wow. I, I'm sure that that's not a a just off the cuff comment. And they've had that they've had a conversation about that. Oh, by the way, Denver is one game out of a playoff spot How right now. Denver that? won the game last night, and the Broncos are four and five right now. The uh, the. Texans hold the final. The Texans hold the final playoff spot in the AFC, and the Broncos are one game behind them. That is something that I was not expecting. If you would have told me going to the season, one, the Bills would be in this position right now, and that the Broncos would be doing this with Russell Wilson leading the way, I don't know if I would have believed you. By the way, I was watching the Manning cast last night, and that catch by Sutton in the end zone, mm-hmm. that was insane. And just to Unreal. see the Manning reaction, because they had Patrick Mahomes on. I'm going to be honest. I like watching Monday Night Football that way via the Manning cast. Mm-hmm. Have you guys watched it, it? No, it is. like I watch it. This was a probably a decent game, but when there's a really terrible game, yeah. you can watch the Manning cast and you can learn. Like if you don't know football, you can learn a lot. But it's fun too, yeah, and they had Patrick saying. Mahomes can, on it. It was so good. A lot as well. Yeah, it was very insightful. But just to see their reaction to all of it was uh, good too. But I, I don't know. Maybe we were underestimating Russell Wilson. Uh, maybe, uh, I definitely was underestimating Sean Payton. I thought Payton was pretty much a product. It of seemed Drew like Brees. it was done. Yeah. Uh, but no, they've they've turned it around, and they're a team that is ascending and getting better and better and better. So Monday Night Football is over. The week is over in the NFL. The Blues will take on the Tampa Bay Lightning tonight at Enterprise Center, six o'clock pregame, seven o'clock faceoff here on 101 ESPN. Blues sitting with the second wild card in the Western Conference, and the Tampa Bay Lightning sitting with the second wild card in the Eastern Conference. Tampa is six five and four for for sixteen points. The Blues are uh, 
seven, five, and one for 15 points. So should be theoretically a pretty even matchup tonight. You'll hear it here on 101 ESPN. We'll talk to uh, John Kelly about that game and more coming up at 8.15. Also, last night, Missouri, M-I-Z-Z-O-U, 68.50 over SIUE. Sorry, SIUE. Um, you, you can't just cheer for one and the other one. They listen to us right down the street. So, uh, sorry, SIUE. I, I was rooting for you. We're rooting for all of them. I am. Right? I want them all to win. You were? Yeah, I of course. Of, the heck, Randy? kind of was, yeah. Well, if Mizzou loses that game, it's a better story. If SIUE beats them, I understand like the UMKC game. I understand why Kerry wouldn't want it. I mean, his, oh. his, bu- his bully coaches Mizzou. I mean, that's I can understand why he wouldn't want him to win. Nah. I, like, I, I, I actually like Dennis Gates. I think he's a... Swell guy. Dennis Gates is fantastic. He is. I, I really like Dennis Gates a lot. He's so nice. And not to say that anybody else isn't, but I'm just saying that Dennis Gates, the way that he has put things together for the basketball program, this is a very exciting time to be a Mizzou fan in general. And I know we've talked about this before. It feels like, Rock, I'm looking at you, sometimes Mizzou fans are waiting for something bad to happen. This is an I mean, enjoyable time. I know, but this is an enjoyable time <laughs> for Mizzou right, right, right now. No, no, no. Dennis is, Gates, what he's no, doing, what he's the, building, no, 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 Eli Drinkwitz. No, no, this is the sweat time. Why? Because this is when Mizzou Enjoy loses. Enjoy it. Did you hear me, Randy? Yeah. Ty what did you say? Ty Sidney. No. It's, this North is when Hulk Mizzou State. blows it. Yep. Who what this is what they are accustomed <laughs> no. to. After they beat Oklahoma. Charles Johnson not scoring. What happened after they beat Oklahoma in 2010? They beat number one overall. They're, they're riding high. Yeah. Roy Hallou runs for, I think, 300 yards on them the next week. The Nebraska Ooh. running back? The, a Nebraska running back. Uh, uh, like post-2000, a Nebraska back did that to you. Hey, uh, this, you, is, this is a, there's this a, is reason, a book. Brooke. That, that chapter is closed. This is a new, fresh chapter called, in Mizzou history. It's called a callback. They, 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 don't, they, don't, they don't believe in that. Are you familiar with the name Tony Sands? It sounds familiar, but I can't place it. I think Tony might have run for like 386. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Not. Nope. Yeah. Now I get it. Uh, uh, let's find it. There's no way that a Kansas running back should ever run for over 300 yards. I think it was. Ah, oh, dang uh, it. Uh, 58 carries. Tony Sands for Kansas. Yeah, it was. Uh, I don't have the number, but it was something. November great. 23rd, 1991. Exactly five months after I was born. He he got 58 carries for 396 yards as Kansas beat Missouri 53-29. to Kansas accounting for four 396 yards. Unreal. Oh, by the way, one other Happy quick fun note for you. Month birthday, uh, man. ESPN did an analysis of fired coaches and the money they're making mm-hmm. because of the $76 million that uh, Jimbo Fisher is getting from Texas A&M. Fired coaches are getting $146 million from Power 5 schools this year. Auburn paying Brian Harson $15.5 million. Scott Frost from Nebraska getting $15 million. Jeff Collins from Georgia Tech getting 11.4. Paul Chris from Wisconsin getting $11 million. Carl Durrell from Colorado getting $8.7 million to not coach. Uh, Herb Edwards from Arizona State getting $4.4 million. And Will Arnett getting uh, $4 million. Dr. Spaceman 
from Mississippi State. <laughs> I got to tell you, Randy, I might be in the wrong profession. I think you're in the right profession. You just got the, not the one that you're sitting at today. Uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think maybe what I, what I, I think I need to readjust my life plan. Go do that for about four or five years. Get fired. Mm-hmm. Still get paid. Yep. And then I can come back and do this. And Yeah, it's pretty easy. Just chill. That's the dream job, right? Isn't that the, the real the dream right there? That's fantastic. All right, we're off and running here on 101 ESPN. The Athletic says there aren't enough free agent bats available this offseason. Does that make the Cardinals surplus of offense even more valuable? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. by Chad Jennings at The Athletic in regards to the free agent hitters available this offseason. And according to The Athletic, we'll give you the top five free agent position players available. Cody Bellinger, great. Matt Chapman, pretty darn good, coming off of a rugged year. Reese Hoskins, coming off of an injury. Jimer Candelario, never really has been great. And uh, Lee Jung-Hoo, uh, who is projected to get four years and $56 million. And then you have Jorge Soler and Teoscar Hernandez. Nice players. But you wonder if, like, Hernandez is projected to get $20 million a year, four years and $80 million. If you are another team and you can get Nolan Gorman and have three years of, four years of uh, control at a reasonable price, is it more sensible for you, especially if you have depth, looking at you, the White Sox, to try to do a trade rather than sign a big money free agent and, as Chad Jennings says, take a leap of faith with one of these hitters that are going to be expensive and may or may not wind up being as productive as a guy you could get from the Cardinals in a trade? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of reports going on right now that teams are actually looking towards trades now because there's not that many position players available and that's still a huge need right now this offseason for a lot of teams so yes if you're another team you're looking at Nolan Gorman and saying yes I want that left-handed bat I want to bring him into my organization the question is whether or not the Cardinals will be willing to part with that that is something that I I still I I agree I think that if you are going to go get a starting pitcher you are going to have to bring up names like Nolan Gorman, Brendan Donovan, Tommy Mm -hmm. Edmond, players that you don't exactly want to part with. But if you're the Cardinals and you've been snake bitten in the past with giving up trades and then they go on to be superstars elsewhere, don't you think that they would be a little bit hesitant to make a move like that? You would think so, but their needs are so well defined. And for example, teams out there still love Dylan Carlson and mm-hmm. the Cardinals identified his talent as a talent that would have to be pried from their cold dead hands mm-hmm. at one point so the talent is still there I would if I'm another team and I had and I was going to go out and get an outfielder I think I would probably take Teoscar Hernandez over a guy like uh, Dylan Carlson but there are a lot of players that I wouldn't, that, that I would rather roll the dice on a guy like Carlson. And it's interesting even to look at the people that make projections. Eric Neander, who's uh, one of the best in the business, he's the pobo for the Tampa Bay Rays. He said, even at the major league level, where you think you know players the very best, trying to figure out what they're going to be the following year is still really difficult. There's a lot of lessons of humility along the way. So if you're making a projection, wouldn't you rather have the guy that's making a million rather than the guy who's making 20? You would. I mean, you again, free agency, 
go and be a trade. It is. It's a crapshoot. You don't know from year to year if a guy is going to get injured. You don't know if a guy is going to continue to perform well. All you can base it off of is their track record. How well have they done throughout their entire career? How healthy have they been? How do they perform in certain situations? Are they a, a guy that you want in your clubhouse and on your team to to that can bring the the morale up? Or are they a, a, a vampire that just sucks away all of the energy from from everyone on the team? All of those things, you know, are, are accounted for. But at the end of the day, you don't know if a guy is going to get injured or not. And and with the Cardinals, I've kind of I've wrapped my mind around the possibility that Nolan Gorman could be traded. I, I did that, you know, midseason, looking at how this season was going, looking at what the need was for this team, and looking at what other teams would want most from this team. I think Nolan Gorman would be number one on their list, mm-hmm. assuming that he's completely healthy. I think that may be the only concern that a team would have is his health. Is his back okay? Randy, what, what, how long has he been? About a week back. Oh, okay. no. Uh, so that would be no. my – I'm sure that's a lot of people's concern. And then you probably look at Brendan Donovan as your number two player on the list. That That's a guy that can yep. do a multitude of things, hits the ball really well before he got – but again, he had to have elbow surgery. So how well does he recover from that? Tyler O'Neill probably not high on that list because you know he's injured. Mm-hmm. And then Dylan Carlson – very talented, but again, is he going to stay healthy? The ankle injury that he had was kind of mind-blowing to me because it didn't look that bad. It just looked like yeah, he turned his right. ankle coming out of the box and to have to miss you know, a lot of the end of the season because of it, that's a concern. So when you're looking at it, it it's, all, it's always important to remember that other teams have to like what you have in order for the trade to work. And Brooke, you brought up the name Tommy Edmond, and we all love Tommy, mm-hmm. but He's not a leadoff hitter. He's a number nine hitter. And at this stage, if I trade Brendan Donovan, can I count on Mason Wynn to be my leadoff hitter? I don't really think I can. You do have Lars Newbar. Who who can lead off for me? I just I think with Edmund in my lineup, I don't have the length that I need. And so I I can't afford to trade a guy like Brendan Donovan because then all of a sudden I'm going to have Gorman's defense at second base, and I don't think they're sure that Gorman can play a full year of second base. Now, Tommy Edmond at second, and then you can mix and match outfielders and wait until either uh, uh, Victor Scott or mm-hmm. Chase, is it Chase Davis? Yeah, the first-round pick. Chase Davis. Wait, wait till Crash those guys Davis. arrive. Yeah, but I think that they would be rolling the dice in trading a guy like Brendan Donovan. I think so, too. I think that he has more value for the Cardinals. And Tommy Edmond and Brendan Donovan, their versatility is really is what makes them so valuable for not only the Cardinals, but for other teams, too. Donovan do, shows that he has the ability to play anywhere. I think that Donovan has more of an offensive upside. And we saw the drop offensively, numbers-wise, when he was injured towards the end of last season. If you're another team, though, are you trading for Tommy Edmond with his offensive prowess? Um, probably not. He's a nice, versatile player. He has I'm two not, years of control, which is always helpful. I'm not. I, I, I'm probably. That's why I didn't mention him. I don't think he's he's extremely valuable to the Cardinals because mm-hmm. he's their best center fielder and their yep. best second baseman. And you know, you can you figure out where the heck you want to put him at. But I don't know that he's more valuable to another team in comparison to those other guys that I named. He's last year had a 307 on base, so he can't lead off for you. And he's got a career 726 OPS, which is fine for a number nine hitter, but he's never going to slug for you. As a matter of fact, if you look at his uh, career of the five full seasons that he's played, three of those have been sub 
705 OPSs. This past season, he had a 690. Uh, the 705 this past season, he's also had a 695 and a 685. So I just don't know if I were another general manager looking for a bat, air quotes, if he would be a guy that I would pursue. For me, I, I'm with you, Kerry, and I, th- I think all of us agree that if I'm a general manager from another team, Nolan Gorman is the, the apple of my eye on the Cardinals. It's going to be the apple of everybody's yeah. eye, right? If, and in the only way that you would be even considering moving Nolan Gorman is because you would be getting something big in return. We've already got some texts coming in where somebody from the 636 said, I just don't think you can trade Gorman. Although I understand the cards need pitching, I think the cards would regret trading Gorman more than Randy A. He could wind up being Kyle Schwarber. There's no doubt about it. But if the Cardinals want to turn things around, you aren't. Now Atlanta's in the hunt for Aaron Nola. Mm-hmm. You aren't going to be able to fill your needs through free agency. It's just not going to happen. So what you can have is a team that can hit a lot that can't pitch. We know that. And doesn't have a chance to make the playoffs. Or you can do what you need to do to try to actually be a winning team. And that's procure pitching. You can have all the offense in the world. If you can't pitch, you can't win. No. And we we clearly saw that for the Cardinals this past season. And that's a theme for all the teams that actually made it in the playoffs and was able to have a good postseason run. You have to be able to make the moves. I guess in a perfect world, I was just hoping that the Cardinals would maybe just go out and spin on your ace and a number two pitcher. And then for the third guy, you do like a little trade, something that where you wouldn't have to give up too many prospects or maybe not as big of a name. That was what I was hoping for in a perfect world when John Mosaic was talking about getting three starting pitchers. Now we've gone to two and a half starting pitchers with that third possibly being a swing man. So to me, it seems like you have to get your other big pitcher via trade. Or maybe that will be your big pitcher via trade because now there's reports that the Braves are really high on Sonny Gray and Aaron Nola. Mm-hmm. I think they have a lot of money to spend and they're willing to spend yeah. it. Yeah, We'll be at one pitcher by December. Carrie, no! Yeah, no, you're right. And a bag of baseballs. No! Yeah. No, I that's the way it's going to be. Please yeah. no. And it's going to be like half a pitcher. No. It's going to be... That's you know, not fair! Uh, we we uh, had real significant interest in Frankie Montas before he got traded to the Yankees, and we were able to get Jordan Montgomery. So Frankie Montas... You know, the Yankees thought Frankie Montas was better than Jordan Montgomery. Of course, Frankie Montas had the arm injury. But we're going to leave that part out of it. So that's what, <laughs> that's what I would be thinking if you're a Cardinal fan. I, you're probably... Maybe a trade for a declining Shane Bieber. Uh, it's not going to be. It, it doesn't look like it's going to be what you hoped for. I just always find it interesting that I think we are, and I say we Cardinal fans are so, I guess so engulfed in just Cardinal news that we don't think that there are twenty nine other teams in mm-hmm. the league, and we don't think that twenty nine other teams possibly have the same need as the Cardinals. And so when you hear a report like, "Oh, the Atlanta Braves are trying to get Aaron Nola and Sonny Gray," we didn't even want Sonny Gray, but now that somebody else wants. Well, uh, no, they no. can't get Sonny Gray too. They, no, they have Max Fried. <laughs> you know, they they have front of the rotation talent. Uh, Sonny Gray can fit into the middle of a rotation. Yes. Uh, but here, he would be a number one. You're talking about a completely different animal when you're talking about the Braves because they actually have quality starting pitching on their roster. And Ola would be a front-of-the-rotation guy for them. So you hear that, Braves? You don't need all those nice things. Sure no, do. you don't. Exactly. They want to win. You know what winners do? They spend. They spend money. And that was all that I was hoping for. That's that's all that I was hoping for. But when it comes to the trades, I know that Nolan Gorman is going to be top of the list for everybody. Uh, another point that I've thought about 
is do you worry, too, when we talk about Dylan Carlson, how quickly he kind of fell out of favor with the Cardinals? As you mentioned, cold, dead hands, and he obviously was somebody that was very high on their list of priorities and a player that they saw really being a part of this future and that injuries have been a big part of his story. Do you worry about that with Nolan Gorman? If you do keep him and say you don't use him in a trade, do you worry about that that could also happen in this situation with Nolan Gorman? Sure I do. Because if I look at the lineup, Walker went down, said, you know, I really didn't change anything. Just got better through the regular evolution of a hitter. Carlson, as we mentioned, has regressed. Edmund has not been great. Tyler O'Neill has been hurt. Arnauto regressed last year. I'm not going to even count Arnauto and Goldie in this conversation. Paul DeYoung regressed. Uh, Gorman did get better. Uh, Wilson Contreras got better. But overall, it, when you talk about young players, and this is not a Cardinal thing necessarily. It's a Major League Baseball thing. It's hard to make prospects work. And very rarely do you hit all of them. And, and the Braves have hit all of them. But you really have to coach them up. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm not so sure that these guys, whether because of injury or because of what surrounds them, I'm not so sure that a guy like Dylan Carlson could bloom and blossom here. It, development is one of the key components to, to your team getting better. If you can draft a guy and scout him and recruit him and get all of those things, those are all of the things that they did to get to that point. What do you do in terms of your organization to get the most out of that player? He's He needs to develop. You have to teach him, coach him, and cultivate that so that he's a better player. And that's one of the hardest, in, in not just in baseball, Randy, in all sports, that is one of the pieces that is lacking across the board is the development because we are in such a microwave society. Everybody wants the best players to come in and play right away. Well, yeah, some of these guys need to be nurtured and taught and, and, and coached up the right way to be the best player that they can be. And sometimes that part lacks. The winter meetings are less than a month away, and it'll be fun to watch what the Cardinals and John Mozeliak and Gersh and the whole gang do. It is the opening drive on 101 ESPN, and there's a controversial Blues trade rumor rumbling around. Don't know if there's any validity to it, but we're going to ask you and ask us, would you? Next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Hetman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're back 
to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Jordan Bennington is the key to the whole season, in my book. Just the key to the whole season. If you're going to make the playoffs, you're going to make the playoffs because Jordan Bennington is a top 10 goaltender in the league. And, and I firmly believe he could easily be a top five goalie in the league. And especially with the fact that this team is not giving up a lot of second chance opportunities. Uh, I, I think he's had a terrific start. That's Chris Kerber yesterday in the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Brooke Grimsley, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker. And there was an interesting cor- story coming out of Canada, eh? Uh, Elliot Friedman of uh, TSN said, quote, this is late last week. One thing I'll say is there are people in the league who believe the Oilers were on the precipice of a big move on Wednesday. I don't know what happened. I don't know where it is. But I had people saying to me, watch the Oilers in goal. They're up to something. And they weren't talking about Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell was the goalie that the Oilers subsequently released. And people in Canada decided to take that one and run with it and say, oh, the Oilers are interested in Jordan Bennington, who's off to a great start, 30 years old for the Blues, (laughs) in the midst of a six-year, $36 million contract. I guess they didn't necessarily look at cap friendly before they decided to make that leap because the Oilers have $20,000 in cap space available to them. And... Binner is making $6 million a year, and there really isn't a match from a salary standpoint for the Oilers and the Blues. But I want to go back to what Chris Kerber said. He said, and I don't disagree with him one bit, that he believes that Jordan Bennington is the key to the Blues season. I believe that to be the case. Why would you trade the key to you making the playoffs? Do you guys agree with that? Uh, 100%. 100%. It doesn't make any sense. But, okay, maybe I would just play ball for a second to understand where this report or thought, because it wasn't even a report. It was just somebody put that out there, Mm -hmm. that maybe they should look at Jordan Bennington as a possibility for the Oilers. By the way, the whole Oilers debacle right now, if you guys haven't been following, that is a giant it's mess. Fantastic. It is a mess. I sent you guys the video of Connor McDavid, mm-hmm. very just confused and upset by the firing of Woodcroft. And he said that, you know, they weren't told beforehand, which I understand that not everything is discussed, but the whole handling of this debacle, Jack Campbell. That whole drama has been uh, really bad. And then when he sent, was sent down to the AHL, I think it was last Thursday, did not do well in that performance whatsoever. So maybe if I just play ball for a second. One, there's a lot of ifs involved in this. So for one, we don't know Jordan Bennington's no trade list, but just with everything that's going on with the Oilers, let's just say that Edmonton might be on his no trade list. Edmonton might be on his no trade list. Okay, so that would also have to be one of those ifs, is that Edmonton would have to be one of those teams that's Mm -hmm. on his no trade list. Also, by the way, Jack Campbell is not as expensive as Jordan Bennington. As you mentioned, there's a price issue there. Jordan Bennington's contract is a lot more. Also, by the way, if the Blues, for whatever reason, decided to move Jordan Bennington, who is going to be the other goaltender other than Mm -hmm. Hofer? You need more than one goaltender, and I don't think that you're going to get Skinner from the Oilers and Campbell, all that different situation. That's not going to play out. There's too many just questions, and I don't see any possibility of this ever playing out. So I felt like it was more clickbaity than anything to maybe just mm-hmm. rile up Blues fans, because what would you get? What, what would you get? And you need another goaltender. Why would you move Jordan Bennington in this situation? Well, I think the fact that the Blues have started to play better obviously helps that situation yeah. as well. If you are, 
you know, had the inconsistent play and Jordan Bennington was your best player and you were still losing, then it wouldn't really matter who was in goal, right? <laughs> it just like, hey, mm-hmm. we, we're losing anyways with a great goalie. What the hell difference does it make? So I think that that shifts things when you – I think it shifts the narrative when you start winning and start playing better as they have the last few games. They're, they're showing that they have the ability to be a playoff team. They're showing the consistency that we've asked for. Now continue to do it because, again – you know, it's been they won four of their last five games, mm-hmm. which is outstanding. But again, that was one of the concerns. Are you up one day, down the next day, up, down, and not knowing? I think these rumors can be put to bed now, like I said, because the, the Blues are playing so well. And let's point out as well that making the playoffs is a big thing for the Blues. When they didn't make the playoffs last year, that's a big financial hit. And the primary reason that the Blues are able to spend to the cap is because they get money, they, they get a Pretty substantial gate from home playoff games. Even having two or three home playoff games is a huge financial boon for the Blues. If you trade a lot of players on this team, but I would say mostly Jordan Bennington, you are trading away the opportunity to make that money. All due respect to Joel Hofer, but can you really put Joel Hofer between the pipes and say, okay, over the next 70 games, he's going to play well enough for us to make the playoffs? I wouldn't want to count on such an unknown to do that for me. No, not, not whatsoever. I'm, I'm giggling over here at some of the texts we got in. Somebody texted him from the 618, Jordan Bennington for Connor McDavid, David, straight up. I'll take that, well, LOL. Luckily Leon, they put Leon an LOL, Dry, so I knew yeah. that. Leon well, we can do that one. That might be more feasible. No? <laughs> could do it. You would, would, would you do that? One for one. Because at that point, I, I, I think Jordan Bennington is awesome, but I... You know, they're like, yeah. Well, well, you're talking about two of the five best players in the game, probably. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I think you have to you, you have to look at it. But again, do you do that because the goalie is the most important I mean, position? We're going to score eight goals a game, Randy. Okay, so we're let's, do let's do it. Let's do it. What if the, the other we're team scores ten? Like, gonna, that's what I was going to say. We're not the San Jose Sharks. We're not going to give up ten. <laughs> there there are some issues that might arise, Carrie. I don't know about <laughs> that. I don't know. You give something, you got to get something. You give up something, you got to get something in return. And Evan uh, uh, Dreisaitl, not Evan, Leon Dreisaitl, he is a playoff stud, too. He's a really good player in the postseason. So I would think that there would be a substantial amount of interest if the Oilers would ever want to go there. Uh, I, I would think that there would be many teams standing in line with massive offers to get McDavid 1, Dreisaitl 2. I, yeah, I, I, I just think that this is like more fantasy than anything. Right. I don't think there's any way that the Blues, right at this moment, part with Jordan Bennington. It just mm. doesn't make sense. I know that Anything is possible. I just don't see the possibility of this panning out for the Blues and the Oilers. Do you think that the conversation has shifted from last year when everyone was frustrated with his antics and oh yeah this guy's a problem if this were if this were the conversation last year would every would more people be on board with trading Jordan Bennington last year as yes. as they are right now? Because they just weren't a lot of people around the country don't blame them, but they just didn't watch every game and didn't understand the the incredible stress that he was under with all the backside mm-hmm. goals and the goals that he had no chance of saving. And, and now he's making the saves because the defense is helping him out. It's amazing what six to seven months can do for a yeah, uh, it is. perception yeah. of a person. By the way, Dreisaitl, uh, <laughs> this past playoff, he played in only 12 playoff games, led the league with 13 playoff goals in 12 games, 13-5-18. The year before, 
He played in 16 playoff games, 7 goals, 25 assists for 32 points in 16 games. In his career, Drysaddle, 49 playoff games, 31 goals, 46 assists for 77 points in 49 playoff games. That's pretty good. How many power play goals does he have? Because that might be we worth have it. That. Yeah, right. <laughs> Terry, that's good. We that's, got two of them last game. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's turnaround. There's nothing to worry about. Okay. Uh, he has, How many does he have this year? Uh, he has five. Oh. <laughs> See what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, last year he had 30. Uh, yeah. Oh. What yeah. are we doing that, here? 52 goals, 30 power play goals. Two years before that, he had 17 each. Yeah, he's uh, 137 career power play goals for Dry Saddle. Pretty you know, good. You got to give up something to get something. <laughs> Just saying. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. We have Take It or Leave It next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Take it or leave it. Want to say something? Put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. All right, time for Tioli here on 101 ESPN. Brooke, Carrie, Randy, and Matthew, we want your text. 314-399-9646. 314-399-YO-HO. Last night in Florida, who's walking out of the Taylor Swift concert movie at a theater, <laughs> but Donna Kelsey. There to watch the Taylor Swift movie, a woman ran into her and uh, was shocked to see her. Danielle Sparks was the woman that put on TikTok her uh, photo and her tic- her TikTok or video with uh, Mrs. Kelsey. Uh, take it or leave it. Mr. and Mrs. Kelsey are all in, just like Mr. and Mrs. Swift are on this relationship. She's going to see the, her son's at the one of the concerts, and she's going to see the Taylor Swift movie. Yeah. Love, love, Carrie. It sounds love, like love. it. Yeah. Cool. I think That's all I'm you gotta do is love, it. love. They're okay, all thank in. you. I'm happy yeah. for everyone involved. Yep. There's a Are camera you? on you right now. I, I'm. See my face? Carrie, Carrie literally <laughs> said it like this. He said. I am so happy for them right now. So happy <laughs> so that happy. they are yeah. in love. It's wonderful. <laughs> Yay. I'm <laughs> totally is. buying that, makes Carrie. Me, makes me happy. <laughs> All right. So w- the Michigan scandal has been ongoing, obviously. The, got the news that Jim Harbaugh mm-hmm. will be suspended for game day or for the next three games, for last week and then two more regular season games. Take it or leave it, they actually, Michigan, actually did have information and showed it, which is why this is the only punishment that Michigan received. I will take that, but I will also predict that Michigan wins in this court case because here's the mistake Tony Petiti made. He said, we aren't suspending Coach Harbaugh for anything he did. He just happens to be the face of the franchise. That's what they said. They, they, They actually said in a letter to Michigan that was made public, yeah, we aren't suspending him for anything he did wrong. It's just that he happens to be your most famous guy. So we're going to suspend him. Well, There's no way you go to a court of law <laughs> and they say, oh, yeah, okay, well, he didn't do anything wrong, but he deserves to be punished. That's just not the way it should work. Somebody's lawyer should have should have got a hold of them before they hit sand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, hey, 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 this is why lawyers tell you to shut up. Yeah, right. Don't say a word. 
I, I'm definitely going to have to take it, Carrie, because I think that there probably was a chance. They said that they would open Pandora's box, yeah. right? Yep. You show what you have, and they say, all right, okay, we'll just do this, just so that publicly mm-hmm. it looks like we did a little something, a little slap on the wrist, right? And really, right. that's all it is, because he still gets to coach during the week. Right, right. You and, just don't get to be there on game day. And you know mm-hmm. what they should do? Both sides should do this. They only play Maryland this week. So one more, <laughs> one more game off, and then he's back on the sidelines for Ohio State. Yeah, that negotiate sounds, that sounds reasonable. Then it, then it all goes away. You know that's what's going to happen. And he wants Sharon Moore to get an opportunity because he wants Sharon Moore, their offensive coordinator who coached last week, to get a head coaching job. What better way than to go into Maryland and beat Mike Loxley? Do you, you're, you're buddies with Loxley, oh, right? Cool. Loxley's a good guy. Yeah. He's got one of your former players, yep. right? He's starting at left guard. Yeah. Uh, so, but uh, Sharon Moore goes into Maryland and, and beats Maryland. He's Then all of a sudden people are interested in him as a head coach. Take it or leave it, guys. I don't know if you saw this report. The Arizona Wildcats are facing a 204. (laughs) I'm sorry. Can you do that again? Wildcats. Wildcats. (laughs) Name that movie. Um, Is that the high school musical? It is. Well done. Okay, yes. All right. Thank you for another gift, Randy. Wildcats. Wildcats. Thank you very much. The Arizona Wildcats are facing a $240 million school-wide shortage after significant miscalculations in their financial modeling. Cuts are being considered among the school's 23 varsity teams. Everything is supposedly on the table in terms of dealing with athletics. Take it or leave it. Somebody's embezzling money. Because how do you do that? You don't misplace 240. You know what? I I, I dropped that money the other day. And you had 23 teams. That's more than $10 million a team. That's ridiculous. Somebody, Somebody's going on some trips. Somebody's going to Vegas. We need to to get to the bottom of this. I'll I'll say Arizona needs to institute a math major. Yeah. Don't they have that there? Like accounting majors? They couldn't ask them for some help? I have no idea. You got to be having a good time there. 240 million. That's pretty good. You'd think that would happen at Arizona State, not Arizona. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, all right, uh, Matthew, what do you got for us on the text line? Well, first, I pulled something for Carrie. This one's for you, Carrie. As a lawyer, it's my duty to tell you to sh- that's that's yeah. what it is. That's 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 the job right there. That's, that's your job. Take it or leave it. The MLB trade market and the free agent market is being stopped by the Otani deal. As soon as that's made, everything happens. I'll take that. Yeah, because there's three or four big money teams, and the, I, I don't think the Mets are in on this, but Cubs, Red Sox, Doyers uh, are the, are the big three. Padres will be in on him, and the Angels will still be in on Shohei too. Any, any concern that the Cubs are oh. going to be really good? I, yeah. I I just think they are. By the way, the Braves. He's intrigued by the Braves too. Oh, Shohei. Oh, Tony. Yeah. He's intrigued. Yeah. Well, well, well. Somebody slipped a picture of the highway at noon on a Tuesday and. We'll change that feeling. Yeah, well, you can just get a helicopter. That's what I was going to say. Point. Is that Good you point. just helicopter? Good point. <laughs> uh, take it or leave it. This was the worst sports year in St. Louis in the last twenty years. So go back to two thousand three. I mean, oh seven. You had some Ram seasons. That I was going to well. say oh yeah. seven. The Cardinals. Did the Cardinals make the playoffs in two thousand sixteen? Blues went to the the conference finals. Cardinals missed in sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Yeah. But the Rams leaving. In 2016? Rams, I was going to say the Rams leaving. Yeah, that's but, it. And the Cardinals didn't make it. Blues get one of their – Blues get a couple of huge big wins in the playoffs in Yeah, 16. they got game seven against Chicago. That's the well, – like, But this year you had SC. That's what I'm saying. That's why I'm thinking, I'm like, 07, terrible Rams. You get Mizzou in there, but terrible Rams. Cardinals Blues, lose. Yeah. Blues aren't good at all because it's post-strike. 
before they started getting a little bit better. Maybe yeah. 07's like right. I guess when it turned around a we little came bit. Came here in 07 and beat the Rams. Yeah. See, I'm saying, just bad things all around. <laughs> yeah. Christmas Eve, I think. Yeah, that's yeah. uh, that, Adam Carricker was our first round pick that year. Yeah, I'm saying. I'm just saying. I think 2007 is is the yeah. only contender. Pretty bad. Pretty bad. Pretty bad. Yeah. 12. Not a lot was going on. Well, no, I mean, Cardinals were still. Oh, yeah, Jeff Fisher. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Take it or leave. Well, that might have been the year then. <laughs> Take it or leave with the Blues are legit playoff contenders, and last year was a fluke. Take it. What? Was a fluke? I don't think it was a fluke. I don't think last year was a fluke, but I do oh, right. think that they are playoff yeah. contenders. Yeah, last so. year, yeah, with the way things unfolded, yeah, that was not a fluke because yeah. that team <laughs> who the hell they were. Right, we, and we always hear about how important it is, especially for hockey players, because they literally have to sacrifice their bodies for each other. Nobody was well, not I won't say nobody, but many of the players on that team were not prepared to sacrifice for somebody else last year, and this year they are. Yes, you feel that a little bit more. Take it or leave it. Bama loses to Georgia, and the SEC does not have a spot in the Final Four. I'm going to leave that. Bama loses to Georgia? In the SEC championship game. Well, then Georgia would be in the... Yeah. Yeah. Georgia loses to Bama. My oh. bad. Right, right, right. Yeah. Georgia, Georgia loses to Bama, Bama in the SEC championship game. SEC doesn't have a spot in the Final Four. My apologies. Um, that. Thank you, Carrie. Leaving it. Well... Here's the thing. Take Michigan that. and Take Ohio it. State. Take it. Once somebody will have a loss. Florida State One of gets those in there. will have a loss. Florida yep. State will be in Texas. Washington. Texas could potentially be. They beat Bama. Well, they beat Bama. And so they will be. And then you got Washington and um, Oregon still lingering around there. One of those two. And then Florida State, if they Florida State will be clean. And Washington and Oregon will play in the yeah, Pac-12 championship. So the winner game, of that right? is probably going to go in. But do you really think that Georgia would lose to Alabama? Is my question. Bama's been looking I think better. Could. Bama's been playing great. I'm going to take Georgia it. Looks, yeah. I'm going to take it. Georgia looks vulnerable. I, I think I would, I would love it too. if Alabama, <laughs> Alabama's resume, despite the loss to Texas, is going to be way better than <laughs> Texas's. Resume. Look at the Big Ten-shaped smile on Carrie's face he's, right now. He's enjoying just, it. Um, here's, it just means more, does it? <laughs> so here's, uh, Alabama has a, a win against Ole Miss, uh, number 15. Uh, they had the win against number 17, Tennessee. They had the win against number 14, LSU. They've got Kentucky. Missouri, uh, Chattanooga, Auburn. This is Alabama, and then Alabama. They, they would beat Georgia. That would be, in my opinion, a better resume, despite the fact that Texas did win at Alabama. But Texas's wins are against number fourteen Kansas, number twelve Oklahoma, and number twenty-three K State. Uh, that that's it. Uh, so I would say that Alabama's resume would be much better than the Texas resume. The Alabama Crimson Tide have no way into the Final Four unless it's just mayhem over the next couple of weeks. If everybody, you know, does their job and wins how, how they have been, Alabama has no way to make really? it in, I don't think. I, just, I feel like it's just too many teams in front of them. No, yeah, it makes sense. Because, because again, in, in, unless, Texas, unless Texas stumbles against just absolutely yeah. a nothing schedule, that's the only way you do it. Because if Texas wins out, and they'll have like a fifty-point win in their conference in, the, in their in their championship games. So that'll that'll buffer them too. If Texas wins, you can't put them Alabama in over Texas. No, I don't think you can Why? rationalize it because they beat Alabama at Alabama. But you—they're a better team. So, so one game is what's going to determine that you're not going to look at the rest of the schedule and the rest of the quality of the. I'm going to look at. I'm going to look at 
head-to-head matchup when they played. If Alabama lost to Texas, I would I would say that Texas is is better than them. Hmm. Now maybe they were better on that day, but they were better, and so I would I, I don't see how That's, you would be able to put a, a yeah. Georgia team uh, and Alabama team leapfrogging a Texas yeah. team, and they both have one loss. It's, it'll be interesting to see what the committee thinks of that. If the committee if actually had Bama I, jump a Texas I, team I would just turn them, off football. I, I it would be hilarious. If you but watched, haven't we seen if you've things watched like that before? The whole season. If you've watched Alabama a lot and Texas a lot, I think any rational observer would say that Alabama's a better football team. Texas just lost... Uh, Texas lost to... He's back. back. I thought they lost like a running back or somebody on their offense. Yeah, they're running back. Yeah, they just lost their running back. So, I mean, do you take that into account a little bit when you talk about the full scope of the season? No. No. They don't look at that. I think they will. They were going to look at Harbaugh not being on the sidelines for Michigan last week. I don't think I don't, they. I don't. I don't no. think so because the committee does. No, they, well, they, he, they, they consider how a team plays with or without a player. Well, like for example, and do they not consider some things when Cardale Jones? was the quarterback for Ohio mm-hmm. State. They put Ohio State in there despite the fact that he was their quarterback. Well, Ohio State was the best team all year, and they was he, they were on their third quarterback. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Assumption would tell you, hell, we, we, you've done good enough thus far. Maybe this guy is good yeah. as well. And they won a national championship the, with him. The problem with the BCS was that it was all computer. And that's what the, the committee does use the eye test. That's why the committee's in place. Yeah. I, I, I don't you – know, I, I think I think it'd just be hard for Bama – to get there despite winning out and if everybody else wins out. Yeah, they would need a loss by Florida State or a loss by Texas. Uh, otherwise, they're fine. Uh, if they if they win out, because Michigan or Ohio State will have a loss uh, and Washington or Oregon will have another loss. And Washington, if Washington wins, they're undefeated and they're in. Right. So you would have uh, Georgia would be out. So you'd have Michigan or Ohio State You'd have Washington or Oregon, mm-hmm. and then it comes down to Florida State and uh, whether or not the committee thinks that Texas, uh, Alabama or Texas is better. It'll be interesting. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up on 101 ESPN, our fresh take. Should the Cardinals gamble on trading for Tyler Glass now? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Six in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. John Kelly coming up in a few minutes here on 101 ESPN. One of the starting pitchers the Cardinals have been connected to is huge Tampa Bay right-hander Tyler Glasnow. He's 6'8 and 225, and this past season in 2023 had a career high in his eighth year with 21 starts. He threw 120 innings, which was a career high. He went 10 and 7 with a 3.53 for his career. Glasnow is 30 and 27 with a 3.89 career earned run average. However, since he got traded to Tampa in the deal that brought Chris Archer to the Pirates, Glasnow has pitched in 11 games, 12 games, 
He did pitch in 11 in the COVID season, then 14 starts in 2021, two starts in 22, and then 21 this year. He's due $25 million this year before he enters free agency. He is exceptionally talented, and maybe the injuries are behind him. Do you roll the dice on trading a premium player, i.e. Uh, Nolan Gorman, for a guy who has a sketchy health history like Tyler Glass now, who's heading into his free agent year. What if you didn't have to trade a Nolan Gorman for a Tyler Glass now? Because as you mentioned, he's going to be a free agent next year. The Rays typically do not like to spend a lot of money. So I think that they would want to move him anyways because mm-hmm. they don't want to pay him the $25 million for next season. So this is a chance for the Cardinals to really maneuver things here. I don't think you have to give up a Nolan Gorman for a Tyler Glass now. One, because of the injury history. Two, because you know the Rays aren't going to be willing to pay. Three, you know what they need? They need a shortstop. Wander Franco, remember Mm -hmm. that whole situation? Mm -hmm. You know that they have that need. And maybe even an outfielder. What if you made a move of a Tommy Edmond Juan Yepes for Tyler Glass now? I would think that there will be another team that will trump that. that I was going to say, that. I don't think that that would be. Maybe another pitcher? Enough. Another prospect pitcher, because as we know that the Rays really like young pitchers because one, controllable years, you don't have to pay them that much. And then two, they have the ability to really develop young pitchers. And they don't have Shane McClanahan for the year. He had Tommy John surgery, so they'll need to replace Glass now and McClanahan. Now they get some people back from injury that uh, they lost last year, but you would think that they could utilize some young pitching. So do you have the guts if you're the Cardinals? to say to the Rays, okay, here's a group of five pitchers that you can choose from in our organization. Well, the, this is the same Tampa Bay Rays that got uh, Randy Rosarino, right? Yes, it so is. So they are not uh, probably yep. apt to just taking anything, any scrap, anything no. that is available that a team wants to get rid of. They're going to know what it is and, and exactly what they're looking for in return. And to your point, Randy, you were talking about the injuries yeah, injuries are never really behind you. They are. They tend to be lingering. I, I think about, you know, all of the. And look at here, Tyler O'Neill. Mm-hmm. That's a person that we have said year after year. Man, if he just stays healthy, whenever you have to start a conversation with with if, that's a conversation. That's all. That's really a non-starter for me because that means it hasn't been shown yet. It hasn't been done yet. It has not been done consistently enough. And so when you say if Tyler Glass now is healthy, well, when has he been? One year? One one good solid year where you say, oh, that was the best year. I, I think that that's a troubling thing to go out and and you know give up something like a a a Nolan Gorman or one of your your star batters, one of your star hitters for a guy that maybe he's healthy, maybe he's not. Now, if he is, we're good. But he hasn't shown it enough throughout his entire career for you to say, yeah, I'm, I'm okay and I'm comfortable with this trade. I would like to have the guy, but I need to have it be a reasonable cost. And I wonder how popular he'll be for all the teams that need starting pitching. I wonder who'll roll the dice on a guy like like I could see the Yankees rolling the dice on a guy like Glass now. Because uh, if he gets hurt, it, it it's it's, yeah. it's just money to them, right? right. It, it's not a it's not a big deal in terms of what they will be missing out on if he isn't healthy. And now they they are able when you have when you're playing with more money, you can take more risks. Mm-hmm. Like you, right. you go to the casino if you're gambling ten thousand dollars a hand, if you lose a couple. Eh. 
But and you probably got a lot more money than ten thousand dollars. If you are a person that's betting twenty five dollars a hand and you bet a thousand, that's yeah. probably gonna scare the hell out of you. Brooke, I think you hit the nail on the head though. Look for teams that have shortstop, young, controllable shortstop depth. Mm-hmm. Those are the teams and that have money to spend. Yankees being one of those, by the way. That Those are the teams that will probably land a guy like Glasnow. And that's exactly what they're looking for. You could also, I didn't mention this, somebody texted this in, Tyler O'Neill is another possibility of that somebody you could package into this deal. Injured player with some injury history for another injured player with some injury history with Tyler Glasnow. Here's the thing. When Tyler Glasnow is healthy, Randy, you mentioned his numbers this year, also has a 96-mile-an-hour fastball. He has some really, really good stuff. 162 strikeouts in 120 innings. That's like a 12.2 strikeouts per nine average for him this past season. When he is healthy, he's good. Doesn't that sound like Tyler O'Neill and it how does. we described him yeah. this past season? When he's in there, he's good. So I, I'm just saying, theoretically, I don't think you would need a Nolan Gorman in order to get a Tyler Glass now. I think that you could package some players up. As I mentioned, they need a shortstop. You could do a Tommy Edmund. Juan Yepes is basically just rotting away in the minors. He has no role. There's no possibility of a role for him in the Cardinals organization in the outfield because they have enough outfielders right now, and that's still going to be an issue going into the season. And then you also have Tyler O'Neill in that whole situation. Clearly, the Cardinals want to move on from him. And the Rays, I can see that as a potential. And if you also need to, though, switch out and put in a young pitcher, the Rays love young pitchers mm-hmm. and being able to develop them, and they have shown that. And I understand that people don't want to do anything with the Rays because of Randy Arozarena, but the Rays have done that to other teams, too. Pretty much your whole team. Yeah. <laughs> they have yeah. a way. They have a knack, if you could say. They have a knack for being able to really fleece other teams for talent. Yeah. Yandy Diaz last year had a 932 OPS. And we don't hear much about the Rays. We had a great segment during the season, Ray or Nay, right? Mm-hmm. That, was, that was really fun. Was it a, a Tampa? And we don't play fantasy baseball, so we don't pay attention to all of them. But uh, they have numerous players uh, that have uh, come from other organizations that have had Great careers. Uh, Yandy Diaz had a 932 OPS last year. Traded to Tampa as part of a three-team deal in which the Tampa Rays sent cash to Seattle, Jake Bowers to Cleveland, and then the Mariners moved Carlos Santana in that deal. But basically, they gave up uh, Jake Bowers and cash in exchange for Yandy Diaz, who's now their regular first baseman and had a 932 OPS last year. They've, they've got a million guys like that. Christian Bethencourt, their catcher, had a terrific year last year. They got him cheap. They, they got Brandon Lowe from the Rangers, and he had a really good year for them. Josh, Brandon Lowe, Josh Lowe, uh, the outfielder. They've, they've just got a ton of players, and they're, they're really good, and they're going to continue to be good because of, of their evaluation acumen. Yes. I can, I can see the Cardinals maybe making something work with this because I don't believe that maybe they would want to part with a Nolan Gorman. I know that his ba- his name has been brought up, but in this situation, you could avoid that possibly with this trade. moving Nolan Gorman, I need a horse. You I do. need somebody who's yes. 180, 190 and a guy that's be done a glass it in the now. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I think the that I always just keep saying the teams are going to want the players that you want on your roster, not the guys you're looking to get rid of, generally speaking. Yeah, right. So, you know, it, it's 
it's wonderful to think that teams are valuing Tyler O'Neill in the way that maybe he should be valued if he were healthy, but I doubt that they are because he ain't put, been healthy. Put him in a package with a nice little bow. You add <laughs> you, some extra better, things you, in the stocking. You, you, you know, have to put a lot in there. And yeah. I believe Thursday is the day to tender. I would not be at all surprised if after the general manager's meetings last week, if the Cardinals got an idea of what the value of Tyler O'Neill was and if they would non-tender him. Now, I, I don't even know why we have this conversation because Wilking Rodriguez is no longer on the 40-man. <laughs> we missed that. We, yeah. I'm surprised you didn't lead the show with that Should today. Should have, yeah. He was, uh, was non-tender. <laughs> Finally happened. They, tried, no. to, they t- tried to outright him and he elected free agency. So. <laughs> Finally happened, huh? Sunshine, yeah. How will we remember him? I don't. Not, almost. Quite it's hard era. to. It's hard to put it in words, Brooke. <laughs> it is. It's hard to put it in words. It's almost like you never hear. <laughs> it's almost like we just your your presence was felt, but the physical form we it's didn't we here. didn't get dismissed out on. Yeah. Yeah, teary. Uh, coming up next on 101 ESPN, we're going to talk to John Kelly, the TV voice of the blues. Uh, it, it actually says on my sheet, blues radio broadcaster John Kelly. He was during the Stanley Cup Finals uh, in 2019. He's looking at a different sheet, I'm sir. I'm looking at this. Uh-oh. That one didn't... Don't get mad. This isn't happening again. I like it. I like it. I think it's fun. Uh, JK next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. St. Louis Blues and the Tampa Bay Lightning tonight at Enterprise Center. A pregame at 6 o'clock, the action at 7, and you can hear it here. You can see it on Bally Sports Midwest. And John Kelly will have the call with our own Jamie Rivers. J.K. is with us now on the Celebrity Line. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Great, guys. How are you? Everything's good. This has been a, a fun five-game stretch. John, as you look at it from high above ice level, what do you think the biggest difference has been over the course of the last five games in which the Blues have gone 4-1? and one? Well, I guess, you know, really a couple of things, Randy. They continue to play really good defensive hockey. Um, you know, they won a couple of games 2-1, to one, and then they exploded for, you know, six goals against the Canadians 10 days ago, and then, of course, eight goals on Saturday in Colorado. So it, it's really not just one thing. I, I think that probably uh, the biggest thing is that, you know, they're finding more consistency because they're becoming more confident. And, you know, success breeds success. So I, I think that obviously it was only a matter of time before players like Buchnevich and Shen scored some goals. And, and obviously Buchnevich had only scored one goal until the other night. So um, it's great to see. But I guess that it's not one thing on the ice. But overall, I think it's a more confident team right now than it was two weeks ago. J.K., as you mentioned there, Pavel Buchnevich was able to have a breakout game, getting the hat trick, and he hadn't scored in seven games prior to that. What did you feel like? Was that just a huge sigh of relief, you think, for Buchnevich to be able to do that? Because I think he's a player that a lot of people were looking to going into the season to be kind of the engine that drives the Blues offense. 
Yeah, certainly one of the key parts of the engine. And he had even come out a few days earlier and was really hard on himself after, I believe, the Winnipeg game when he missed a wide-open net on a power play. And, and, and he was really hard on himself. So, uh, like any player, you know, you want to produce if that's your role. And this is a guy that had, I think, 26 goals last year and 30 goals two years ago. So, he can score and he wants to score. And, you know, he, he's playing with top players again. So, it, it was great to see. And also, the hat trick, a little unique that he got it on special teams with two short-handed goals and a power play goal. So uh, he's a big part of special teams. And obviously, uh, as we know, finally scored power play goal after going one for 34 or 35, rather. Um, they actually had two the other night. So that was great to see as well. JK, the, the Blues are are playing much better. I, the defense, as you said, was, was really good to begin with. Do you think it just took some time for them to adapt to their style of play from last year to this year that was, was slowing them down on the offensive end? You know, I don't know, Kerry. It's it's a tough question, and I think uh, you asked me last week. You know, are they are they you know working too hard on defensive work and things like that that's affecting their offense? And I think my answer was no. I don't think so. But you know, they did spend most of their training camp on drills designed to be a better defensive team and in their new system. You know, maybe that's a small part of why they got off to a slow start. Um, but I don't really know. Um, maybe it's it's just one of those things where out of the gate they didn't score a ton of goals and, and things like that are cyclical. Um, but I, I do know that coming into the season, they had a lot of players on their team that have been 20-goal scorers, and it's not like they're 40 years old. So these guys haven't forgotten to score. Maybe it was just one of those things where some guys got off to slow starts for whatever reason, and now they're they're catching up, and, you know, water finds its own level, right? So... I think that's probably it, more of a bit of a fluke than, than any kind of um, systems thing or, or something like that. I think it's just it, it was a matter of time before they, they broke through, and obviously they did the other night. One of the other things that I think was troubling to Blues fans was the number of shots on goal that they were getting. They've brought that number up a lot in the last few games, and specifically the one-timers. What are you seeing from them just being more aggressive in the offensive zone? Yeah, that certainly is a factor. And, and early on, they were passing up way too many shots, and especially on the power play, um, overpassing and things like that. So they've simplified things. And, yeah, I think that is a key to scoring more goals is that they, they are directing a lot more shots on goal, and, and, and that's leading to more goals. So I, I think that's a good point, and obviously they need to continue to do that. Um, you know, there were some games where the Blues had 20 shots, so that's just not enough. So – uh, that obviously, you know, they got a 42 shots, I believe, the other night. Um, that's obviously a really good number. J.K., let's talk about the two Blues Hall of Famers that went into the Hall of Fame last night, uh, both Ken Hitchcock and Pierre Turgeon. Starting with Turgeon, the Blues have had so many great players in their history. And I, I think maybe because of that, having people like Wayne Gretzky and, and Grant Fuhr and some of those all-time greats in their employ, in addition to the Hall of Famers that were here for a long time, sometimes we have I have a tendency to overlook Pierre Turgeon, who was one of the best Blues players ever. Yeah, I mean, a guy that had, I think, what was it, 514 goals or so, and until last night had the most points of any player not in the Hockey Hall of Fame. So it was long overdue. I don't, I don't know Turgeon personally, Randy. I was not announcing the games here, but I know that, that Jamie Rivers, talking to him the other day about Turgeon, he said he's, he's simply one of the best teammates he's ever set, had and a great person off the ice. So it, it's really good to see. I thought his speech last night was – really good and he did a great job so a former first overall pick of the buffalo sabers 
had a, had a great career and certainly deserving to go in the Hall of Fame. It was really nice to see last night. And then I uh, I mentioned this yesterday on the show, and John, you've been around 500 more coaches than I have, but I learned so much hockey from Ken Hitchcock, just being around the rink and uh, hearing his his post-practice talks, and he would give all of his time. And I know you guys had a, a more intimate relationship with him, but what what a brilliant hockey mind Ken Hitchcock is. Yeah, he, he really is. He's one of those guys, Randy, I compare him to, to Scotty Bowman in that when you talk to him and he just wants to talk about the game and he loves the game so much and he's so interesting and it's 24-7 with him and that that's all his, his life is, is the game of hockey. And quite honestly, I mean, he's fourth all-time in wins. He won the one Stanley Cup in Dallas. It's really um, almost a fluke that he didn't win more because he had some great teams in Dallas, he lost in the final, of course, in 2000. And then, you know, look at all those great teams he had with the Blues. Uh, you know, the best year, obviously, he was 15-16 when they went to the third round. You know, he could have won a cup with St. Louis. But um, obviously a great career. Um, grew up in hockey rinks. His dad used to drive a Zamboni in, in a rink in Edmonton. And uh, as you said, a very interesting man, and I'm very happy for Hitch. J.K., we will be tuned in tonight, Blues and Lightning. And uh, you and Jamie Rivers have a fun time. We'll see you later. Okay, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, John. John Kelly, TV voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN. By the way, Pierre Turgeon played here in St. Louis from 96-97 through 2000-2001. 327 career games for the Blues. 355 points, better than a point a game guy for the Blues. 134 goals, 221 assists. And for his career... 1,294 games, and he was more than a point-a-game guy, 1,327 points. Just a a great player and one of the more iconic goals in Blues history as they won a game seven in Arizona in 2001. Wow. He was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And just hearing the stories, too, of Hitchcock and what he was able to do, I I, I just love hearing those kind of stories of just some of the greatest, like, coaching legends. And you mentioned them, but just also hearing some of the speeches last (laughs) night. Shows just how special and unique that he is. Yeah, he just, he, J.K., he says, says he's all about hockey. He just used to wear a hoodie that said hockey on the front. Yeah. <laughs> and he, but he would come in, and once we would turn off all the microphones and everybody would just, you know, be standing around, he would want to talk hockey and yeah. teach hockey all the time. And he was just a great teacher for us. I know that sometimes he would be kind of sandpaper for the players yeah, because he was a coach. But he was he is a brilliant hockey mind, and the Blues are fortunate to still have him on their staff. He's a mentor to Craig Berube. He coached uh, Berube was on his staff in in Philadelphia, but he and Doug Armstrong are exceptionally tight. So he's a great guy to have in your organization. Yep, definitely, you have guys that have been around yep. that long. It definitely helps. And you know what? When things were not going great. He's like one of the biggest movie buffs ever. So you, if things weren't going great and you had him on the show, you'd just talk movies. And, and he, he was a great movie reviewer. Yeah, still is. Awesome. I can see that. The Blues have such a strong alumni base. Yeah. And I think that's someone that stands out amongst the other teams. No doubt about it. That's Brooke. That's Carrie. I'm Randy. Coming up, the fight on 101 ESPN. Matthew, you need a fighter? Text in 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO with your name and the word fight. And maybe Matthew will pick you to fight me next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carriker. 
I am Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Kevin. Kevin, how are you doing? Good, Kerry. How are you, sir? I am doing well. Are you ready to take on Randy Carricker? Ready as I can be. All right, here we go. Who is the only player in NBA history with over 5,000 turnovers? Is it LeBron James? Russell LeBron Westbrook? LeBron James. Oh, okay. You didn't even need Well, 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 well. Do you want ready. the options going forward? What was forward? his answer? LeBron James. Do you want the options going forward, or, or you just knew that one off the top of your head? Oh, I definitely want the options. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm just checking. <laughs> <laughs> he was ready to go. Question number two. Congrats to Ken Hitchcock on his Hall of Fame enshrinement. One of the biggest wins of his Blues career. Who scored the game-winning goal in Game 7 of the 2016 first-round win over the Blackhawks? Was it Kevin Shattenkirk, Paul Stasny, or Troy Brower? Uh, let's go Kevin Shattenkirk. Which head coach holds the worst playoff record in the NFL in NFL history with an 0-7 record from 2005 to through, through 2015? Ooh, is it Wade Phillips, <laughs> Marvin Lewis, or Brad Childress? If you'd like me to read that again, I will do so. You said 2005 to 2012? Yep. Which head coach holds the worst playoff record in NFL history with an 0-7 record from 2005 through 2015? Marvin Lewis. Which active player is the only one of two players in Major League Baseball history to win the Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, and a regular season MVP in their career? Is it Clayton Kershaw, Jacob deGrom, or Justin Verlander? Go Clayton Kershaw. All right, we'll double-check our score. We'll bring in Randy Carricker. Kevin, how you feel? Uh, not too bad. Okay. Well, nice. Came out firing at you the You did come out there. firing. You were, you, are you a basketball fan? I am, yeah. All right. Is uh, who is? I mean, who doesn't like Kobe Bryant? Yeah. Let Rock know. Top two player of all time. Top three. I guess. I guess. It's Kobe Bryant. Where's Kobe Bryant ranked on your all time list? He's still twelve. No, he's like he's like he's he's up up at eight nine. I I may have caught, but I was wrong. Twelve was twelve was twelve was bad. I'm putting him at eight or nine. Eight or nine. Wow. Not top three. Not top three. We were just uh, bread for top three and not three. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? Uh, on his uh, team in the late '90s, early 2000s, he was he was top two on that team. He was, he was, and and not one, and not one, not one. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. All right, right. We were just. I was talking to Bradford Bruns about how incredible the Pittsburgh Steelers are. First team since the 1930s to be outgained in each of their first nine games. And they're six and three. It's incredible. Look at us. Look at us. Look how yeah. great we are. Defense. Defense wins championships, baby. Yep. And Kenny Pickett might be the best, uh, like, last five minutes of the game quarterback in the league right now. Yeah, run the ball, man. Play defense. You're going to win some championships. Is it CJ Stroud? No. Not in the last five minutes. He's he's yeah, uh, might be MVP, but Pickett's winning games at the end. Last two-ish minutes. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, Randy, you ready? Ready. Did you say hello to Kevin? Kevin, good morning. How are you doing? Hi to him, all right? Hey, Randy. How are you, sir? Doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it. All right, Randy, here we go. Okay. Who is the only player in NBA history with over 5,000 turnovers? Mm. I'm thinking this is a guard. That's a uh, pretty substantial amount of turnovers. <laughs> Dang gone right it is. Um, <laughs> and it had to be somebody that played a lot. 
I'll do the lifeline. I, I, I have an idea, but I'm going to do the lifeline. <laughs> LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, Carl Malone. I'm just going to say because Russ, well, the mailman and LeBron have played longer than Russ. I don't think the mailman handled the ball enough, though, because Stockton always had the ball in his hands. 5,000. So LeBron's been playing 19 years. Russ has been playing less than that, way less than that. So I will go with LeBron James. LeBron James. I'm glad that you know that video. There's 10 consecutive hours of it. Just, yeah. LeBron James. LeBron James. Congrats to Ken Hitchcock on his Hall of Fame enshrinement. One of the biggest wins of his Blues career. Who scored the game-winning goal in Game 7 of the 2016 first-round win over the Blackhawks? Oh, man. Was it Chris Pronger? Oh! Um, Pierre Turgeon went in the Hall of Fame with him. Could this be a news thing? Oh, no, I think it was Troy Brower. As Hitch said after the game, from the ladies' tees. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was beautiful. Uh, well, that was a great night beating the, the, bleeding the bleeping Blackhawks. <laughs> All right, Randy, you ready? Here we go. Ready. Number three. Which head coach holds the worst playoff record in NFL history with an 0-7 record from 2005 through 2015? 0-5 to 15-0-7. Ooh, this is good. Made a lot of playoffs. Um, so I don't... Th- I, my initial thought was... Bill- oh, you know who I'm going to go with? Marvin Lewis. Marvin Lewis. Uh, I was My initial thought was Bill O'Brien, but he was no 5-15. to 15. Uh, Marvin Lewis, that would be right up his alley. So I'm going to go with Marv. Which active player is only one of two players in Major League Baseball history to win the Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, and a regular season MVP in their career? Okay, Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, regular season MVP. It's got to be one of two people. And I think I'm going to go. It could only be Kershaw or Verlander. And I'm going to go with Kershaw. Did he win Rookie of the Year? Um... Or did Verlander win Rookie of the Year? I I don't think Verlander was that great. Maybe he was. Um, Kershaw's first career start was against the Cardinals. Um, okay, I'll go with Verlander. We have a winner in today's fight. Well fought on both accounts. But this one's a clear winner. Ring that bell. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. I'm sorry, Kevin. You did well. You got two right, but unfortunately you heard Jack Buck, and that means that Randy Carricker hit the jack today. He beat you 4-2. 
appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thank Good you, job, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. Let's uh, go over those questions and answers. The only player in NBA history with over 5,000 turnovers, it is LeBron James. He just passed it a game ago. And Carl Malone is, in fact, third on the list. Russell Westbrook wow. is fourth on the list, despite not seeming really that old. I would have never dreamed, because Stockton always had the ball for them. How did Malone turn the ball over that much? He, he, finished, he finished just so, I mean, he finished possessions. The yeah. ball got to him, and, and then yeah. things either a shot it yeah. went up or he turned it over, and he yeah. just played so damn long. Yeah. That, that, that's that's what it comes down to. Uh, congrats to Ken Hitchcock on his Hall of Fame in Tremont. One of the biggest wins of his Blues career, the game-winning goal in Game 7 of the 2016 first-round win over the Blackhawks was, in fact, Troy Brower. Like oh, Randy don't said. open that Roman Polak door. No, don't do that. <laughs> I, love that. I love that line so much. Which head coach holds the, most play, uh, holds the worst playoff record in the NFL? L history. It is in fact Marvin Lewis Otis 07 0 and 7 from 2005 to 2015. Uh, Carrie Huday? Uh, a wee day. That's what I thought. Yeah, right. uh, and the only active player, the, the, the active player who's <laughs> only one of two players in MLB history to win a rookie of the year, a Cy Young, and a regular season MVP is, in fact, Justin Verlander. He's won, obviously, multiple Cy Youngs. The 2006 Rookie of the Year, the 2011 Cy Young, the 2011 MVP, and then the 2019 Cy Young, the 2022 Cy Young. The only other player in Major League Baseball history, by the way, Don Newcomb, won the 49 uh, NL Rookie of the Year and the 56 Cy Young and... Uh, uh, National League MVP um, for Branch Rickey's Dodgers. I remember that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so there it is, a 4-2 win for Randy Carricker in the fight today. Kevin, thank you so much again for joining the fight and joining the show. Thanks, guys. Have a great holiday. You thank too. You. Thank yeah. you very much. Coming up, Mizzou, an 11-point favorite over Florida, and they are rolling. Can they keep it going? Eli Drinkwitz thinks they can. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Yeah, you don't have to remind everybody I'm an idiot. I mean, I didn't I didn't know that Brady was going to be our starter, and I didn't know Cody Schrader was going to be the stud that he is either. But uh, I learned along the way. And in fall camp, we had some really good battles. Uh, and I knew we were really good on defense, and so for our offense to be able to match them in the in, in fall camp, I thought that we might be pretty good or we might totally stink. And I knew it was going to take us a little bit to get there once our quarterback was decided, but I had no idea that these guys were going to gel as, as well as they have. That is a very humble Eli Drinkwitz on SEC Now on SEC Network. A very what? That's a humble, humbled Eli Drinkwitz. Who would have thought? Yeah, I'm, I'm an idiot. I didn't know that Brady Cook was going to be this good. I didn't know that Cody so, Schrader wait, was Yeah, you don't have to remind everybody I'm an idiot. <laughs> no, no, time out. Because didn't we get some audio right after they made the decision about how we were the ones making it, a, making it, making more of it than it was. <laughs> Tell me that my memory is now. I, I've, I've ran into a few people in my life. My head, you know, tends to hurt from now and then, and I, I don't remember everything as well as I'd like. But I feel like I remember that conversation. So now he w- he did actually say that. Okay. Yes. No. No, Carrie, you you definitely remember correctly. Oh, okay. That I, actually you know. did happen because if you remember, there was a whole quarterback controversy to start out Mizzou's season. The controversy that was yeah. started by Eli Drinkwitz because yeah. it seemed like there was going to be a battle. <laughs> then in that first game of the season, rolled out Brady Cook and a little bit of Sam Horn, and then Brady Cook was a, short, a starting quarterback. It all worked out in the end, but. Eli Drinkwitz and his progression and maturity that has happened over these past few seasons, I, I t- I've been telling you guys, I feel like we're seeing a different version of him. This That did not sound like the same man that was Darth Vader. You remember that? Oh, Where yeah. He when he got Mullen fired? Yeah. <laughs> was that what happened? 
If Mizzou he... beat, beat you, you were going to get fired. Yeah. <laughs> did, did he show where, up to... Where he brought a lightsaber. I'm sure. Yeah. The press conference. Yes. <laughs> that doesn't sound like the same man, does it? No, it doesn't. And here's the other thing. Things are going so well for Mizzou at the moment, at least according to Drinkwitz, that recruiting is kind of on cruise control. We've identified the guys that we want. You know, we've already got uh, some big-time recruits uh, already committed, and now it's about building a roster that can be competitive next year um, and having a 13-month vision of where we want to be in 13 months and who are the guys that are going to help us get there. You know, there's still, you know, maybe five, six slots for high school players left, and I will say this, for the first time in my career, we're picking, we're not recruiting. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're telling guys, ah, yeah, we're full, or no, yeah, let's, we'll see you on an official visit. And then uh, we'll do a, a really good job of evaluating whatever happens to show up in the portal. Um, you know, I, the, the message that I have to, to everybody is uh, Missouri's got a lot of stability in the midst of a lot of chaos in college football. And I think that's been something that, that has been really good for us. And, and part of the reason that we've had the success this year uh, was the stability that we had on the defensive side of the ball. And even on the offensive side of the ball, we hired Kirby, but we were able to maintain a lot of the same lingo and design of the offense. And... Um, I think in uncertainty, you know, stability provides you a chance to, to really have some success. Eli Drinkwitz. Now, do you think if Ryan Wingo comes to Mizzou and says, you know what, I changed my mind. I'm gonna go, I want to go to Mizzou rather than Texas. Do you think they're going to say, no, we're full? No. They, they got, he said they got a few spots available for, mm-hmm. for a few guys. For they high school are, players, yeah. They are. And this is the position that, you know, your fourth year as a head coach at a, at a program, you want to be in the position that they're in right now. Their, their record is really good. They're one of the top 25 teams in the country. They're playing really good football, national, nationally televised football. And those are the things that get recruits to show up. Now, you know, you win in games, you, you show an environment that you can sustain and showing that you can play with the big boys. Those are the things, and they are. They're in a position now, as he said, we can pick which guys we want. We don't have to go out. And what he's saying is the recruiting aspect of it is the hustle and bustle. Like, you're chasing after kids, and you're trying to get them on the phone, and you're trying to mm-hmm. visit high schools and talk to them and meet them in person and breaking down their film. Now you're saying, nope, we know it's – these 10 guys are the guys that we want. They aren't committed yet. They aren't. They have not decided where they want to be yet, and we want to target our efforts on these guys because we got we believe that these guys can help our team next year. And also having those St. Louis connections, the way that Drinkwitz has been able to recruit here in the region, specifically in St. Louis, is huge. And then you have Luther Burden, what he's been able to do. You have Brady Cook as your starting quarterback, Chaminade product, East St. Louis product. You have so many St. Louis and local connections. So when he goes out recruiting and he's talking about picking guys essentially they can see wow there's an actual path here the story of Cody Schrader is something that's also appealing for a lot of people young athletes see these stories and they say wow I will actually get an opportunity to play here because isn't that what every freshman wants coming in true freshman coming in they want to know how do I fit into this plan is there actually a path for me to start soon because the sooner you play the sooner you get that NIL money I'm sure Sam Horn thought that right and we're talking about evolution and maturity from what I hear uh, in Columbia is that for example when Wingo did decide to to not attend Missouri. And it's not the first time it's happened. Eli hasn't been the most mature acceptor of a choice that's not Missouri from young people. And that's one thing I, th- I think he's got he's to learn how to lose. 
It, it's recruiting, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to get some some guys, and you're going to lose out, out out on some guys. And I think you know one of the things that I learned as a young man is not to burn bridges because you don't know when you're going to have to cross that bridge again. Mm-hmm. You want to be respectful of everyone and everything that you come across because at some point, I mean, unless they're just flat out disrespectful to you, then yeah, you can sever ties. But some of these kids are going to go to a different place and realize ah, I'm too far away from home. Ah, this isn't the opportunity that I thought it was. Ah, this coach isn't the person that he was when he was recruiting me and I would much rather be in a different place so there's an opportunity especially now with the transfer portal as live as it is it there are thousands of kids every single semester trying to get away from a school to get to another school there is potential to not get, not win a kid in the recruiting phase where he signs a letter of intent to go somewhere but you know six months down the line two years down the line he's like you know what that coach was really respectful to me with my decision I don't like it where I'm at now. I want to give that coach a call. I want to reach out to that program and see if that, there's an opportunity for me to be there. But if that coach is, you know, a jerk when you're going through your process, there's no way that that kid is going to call you. And if you're Mizzou right now, you have to have your players calling everybody that you're interested in at Texas A&M. A&M players have 30 days to enter the portal with Jimbo Fisher being relieved of his duties. And so what you do now, because all the players know each other, you have to have your players get in touch with their players and say, hey, we got a spot for you. Mm-hmm. The coach tells me that uh, if you want to come here, you, you got a spot. Exactly. Work your resources. College, yeah. and, and look, I know that we were talking about it earlier, of course, $75 million. I think that you can handle a lot of stress for being fired for that amount of money when you're looking at Jimbo Fisher. $26,000 a day for the next eight years. Yikes. Whew. It is very stressful yeah. now to be a college football very coach. Stressful. I am not envious mm-hmm. of that. You have to worry I about am, recruiting, NIL. You have to. I, I'll, but I'll take a I'll shot take at it, <laughs> Come in. <laughs> Just saying. With, I'm saying all the aspects that you do have to deal with now, but the money does make it a it lot nicer. It makes it a little better. Yeah. yeah it makes it, it a little easier away. to, to, yeah. to work hard <laughs> yeah. when, you, when you got, well, or not. Well, not got, really, because then you get you get let go, and either way, you're getting all that money. If, if you know what you know now, don't you try to get fired? Just go on vacation all the time? <laughs> well, what do you need? You, you, you need me here or not? Nah? I, I mean, I you don't. You don't do I something that would cause you to not. You, you still work hard, but you, you, we've seen coaches here in St. Louis that ostensibly were working hard, but found a way to lose. That's what shocks me is when somebody gets let go, and you know how much money they're getting, and then they still pursue another coaching oh, yeah. job. I'm mm-hmm. like, take a break. Yeah, right. Go out and spend that money. Enjoy life a little bit. Yeah. That's what I would do. I don't know. I think I would too. <laughs> it's the opening drive on 101 ESPN coming up. We've got our rush hour reset for you. Quite a Monday night tilt. We'll tell you how it ended next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Recapping the biggest sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a rush hour reset. in St. Louis. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. I got to tell you, I was hoping last night that the game would end in a 15-15 tie because I'm pretty sure there's never been a 15-15 tie in the NFL. <laughs> I, I wanted to see history, but uh, we didn't. We saw a 24-22 victory for the Broncos. And did the Broncos win or did the Bills lose? Everybody can relax right now. 41-yard drive for the win. Lutz. He missed it, but a flag is down. Twelve men on defense. 
five-yard penalty. Wow. fourth down. So there were 12 men out there for the Buffalo wow. Bills. And this will move the ball inside the 20, and it becomes a 36-yard game-winning field goal attempt by Will Lutz. There's nothing guaranteed. Good snap, good hold. Kick, perfect. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman on ESPN. So the Broncos do win it 24-22. They have won four out of five, improving to four and five on the season. And oh, by the way, just one game out of the final playoff spot in the AFC. Here is Bills coach Sean McDermott on having 12 men on the field for the field goal try. Uh, we practiced two or three times that this week. The substitution from, from dime to field goal block. Uh, and at the end of the day, uh, we didn't execute it. So it's inexcusable. Did you practice with 11 or 12 guys on the field? Probably 11. (laughs) Probably 11. Again, this is, they're going to get on Coach McDermott. They're going to get on Sean McDermott. and, And how could you allow this to happen? There's an actual human being that forgot he wasn't supposed to be on the field. He had a, his brain locked up in a crucial, critical moment and he didn't run off the field. And that's something you, you saw them when the Broncos ran their guys off. For the kickoff, for the uh, field goal team, ran their offense off, ran their f- field goal team on. You saw the Bills doing the same thing, running guys off and running guys on. And they just had too many people on the field. And so, I, I, I don't, I mean, you know, it's intriguing. Now, this is something that just popped into my head. We saw this over the weekend with Mizzou. When an offense substitutes, it, they allow the defense time to substitute as yes. well. They do the same thing in the NFL. So, the Bills could have probably taken a little more time in their substitution mm-hmm. and not, but you're so accustomed to running on and running off as quickly as possible. Tennessee did a really good job of taking their time against Mizzou of getting off the field, and Mizzou had to burn a timeout so they didn't didn't get a delay of game. The Buffalo Bills probably could have done something along those lines as well, and they didn't, and they were uh, caught with too many on the field. But it's a, it's a player's mistake. And at that point, there was plenty of time left on the clock, too. It was inside of 20 seconds. 20 seconds, yeah. But it, I think there was time to do it. Yeah. I. Where do you go from here? One, I know that we were talking about earlier. What did Brad Thompson say? Don't no, do no, what BT said. No, That's okay. Josh no. Allen. Do not take BT's advice. Okay, good. Don't he didn't do actually that. do it. He just said that's probably the next <laughs> lowest step uh-huh. on, on the right. He, on the bar. Said, where, where do we go from here? Yeah. That was the question, and he yeah. thought that was the dumbest question ever. <laughs> oh, so no. BT said, I don't know, go kick a puppy? That's the and then a couple days later, you don't do that. There you yeah. go. Wait, it's a little Hopefully pushback. he doesn't kick. A little pushback. No. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. The, well, a couple of days later, because the next day he got called into Tony's office thinking he was going to get sent down. Tony said, did you say this? And the quote was in the paper. He said, yeah, I said, you know, Tony had ARF, you know, the Animal Rescue <laughs> yeah. Foundation. He said, you need to adopt a puppy. So BT did. Doing some PR spinning there. Yep. That's the way that you do that. So, okay, how about I rephrase it? If you're the Bills, what is your PR spin on this <laughs> nightmare right now? Because McDermott, obviously, we were talking about that earlier. Do you move on from him because Josh Allen is your quarterback? You guys mentioned him being still one of the top five quarterbacks in the league despite these turnover issues that he's having. I think that Dorsey has to go. Agreed, 100%. Uh, you don't, don't think it's going to be Dorsey or do you think it's going to be McDermott? second year? Dorsey, yeah. since Dayball yeah. left, because Dayball left and became the head coach last year at, at, with the Giants. And they've regressed. Is it on Ken Dorsey? Because there was one interception on the sideline that I'm watching. And granted, J- uh, Josh Allen was under pressure, so he couldn't really step into the, thro- the throw. But it was late regardless. Like He took too long. 
it looked a deep out route. It took too long for him to get the ball to him. It's almost like he didn't recognize the coverage or where the ball needed to go. And so he's late on the throw. Granted, he's got a little bit of pressure in his face, which doesn't allow him to step up. But you have to know where the ball is going and get it there in a timely fashion. You shouldn't be throwing it when the receiver is open. You should be throwing it when he's breaking out to be open. And so if you're late, especially on an out route, mm-hmm. it's going to get picked off. That's not that's not the, the, the OC's fault. That's not the head coach's fault. That's the player's fault for not doing his job effectively and causing them, their team a turnover. And I get that, but you also, just like you were saying earlier, you can't bench him, even though you should for the turnover issues. You can't get rid of Josh Allen. No, so he, somebody, he's going you to know cost, that they want something I, yeah. to happen. I think happen. it's going to be Sean McDermott that gets fired. And which if he gets fired, then the whole staff is probably gone. Yeah. So... And it shouldn't exactly be on that because, to your point, they're not the ones out there executing or not executing, but that's just the way that it goes, right? You can't get rid of Josh Allen in this situation. I'm more interested, what happens with Diggs? Because with that whole window closing for the Bills, obviously. I don't know if they can afford to keep him. Like I said, his brother tweeting what he tweeted last night was was intriguing, Mm -hmm. saying 14, got to get up out of there. That's... It sounds like a conversation that they've had at some point. Yeah. He's he's really you know looking out for his brother's best interest. Stephon Diggs is a is a great football player, great receiver. Um, this is his second stop. He left Minnesota. He's in 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 Buffalo now, and you know if he doesn't make it work there, I don't know where the next stop would be for him. But I do agree the Bills window. I don't know if it's completely closed. It's probably cracked. Mm-hmm. But it, it not close the, shut at this n- point. It's close as close can be because they are they are regressing from where they were two years ago when they were one play away from beating Kansas City in in, the, in a playoff game. Last year they were second in the league in scoring. This year they're eighth, and uh, with with a rock attached to them. So things are are not looking good offensively for them, and obviously their defense. You know, you lose Milano, and you is Terrell Edmonds, Edmonds, right? That went to Chicago, the yeah. inside linebacker, and you you lost your best corner in Travarius White, mm-hmm. uh, and you try to replace him with uh, Russell Douglas, who's who's nowhere near the corner he is. So they've just got a lot of issues, injuries. It would appear coaching the turnovers of Josh Allen. There's just a, a lot going on there that does not bode well for them. And I was thinking about this this morning. They spent 20 years waiting for their team to be better than New England. And now they are better than New England, but Miami's better than them. That sucks. It's, gotta, it's just got to suck for Bills fans. I can't imagine. Well, CD, you talked to one earlier, Chris, over oh, at yeah, and he, how? What was his feeling? He's livid. Uh, he is. He, yeah. I, I don't even know. I mean, it's 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 a level of frustration for Bills fans that you have such high hopes and then you lose the opening game of the season to a team that loses their quarterback four plays into the game, and you just they've been on this roller coaster ride. They they're mm-hmm. they're they've won. Um, you know, they, they could have lost two of those games during the stretch against the. The Giants and I think it was yeah the Sunday night against the Giants. The Giants they should have lost. Yeah, I mean the Giants really gave them that game, and so you're looking at a team that shouldn't really be. Oh, and they lost to New England. They lost to New England and at the end. Mac yes, Mac Jones beat and they the and they could have lost to the Buccaneers as well. That was the other team. Yeah. So you know they they're two and four in their last six, but they could yeah. be zero oh and six easily. Yikes. That's your Rush Hour Reset here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, our buddy Greg Warren, big sports fan, 
great St. Louisan, is going to be appearing at the Funny Bone this weekend, at the Funny Bone at Westport, and he's going to join us here in studio next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With Brooke Grimsey, Chan Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker, and Kerry Davis is very, very happy right now. You should see the look on. Yeah, well, just go to the YouTube, uh, use our uh, Air Alliance team studio cam, uh, and uh, search out 101 ESPN STL on YouTube, and you can see the joy on Kerry <laughs> Davis. Not to chew into the microphone, but uh, yeah. very delightful. We have a taco from. Jack and the Jack Barbers, Rock, oh, yeah. their tacos are so good. Well, we have tacos taco. in studio, and we have Greg Warren in studio, yeah, so we're very excited about yeah, that. Spectacular comedian, Greg Warren. All How of you our doing, favorite man? things in one studio. It's uh, it's great to see you guys, man. <laughs> so, uh, are you aware? I don't know if anybody's ever told you this. Uh, uh, aside from me, I'm going to tell you right now that you, as a former salesman of Jif peanut butter, yeah. have <laughs> made me a Jif loyalist again. I won't do any other peanut butter except for Jif. I appreciate that, Randy. Yeah. So even yeah. now, though, you aren't working for them anymore. Yeah. You're, you're, you're still drawing customers to them. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, you know, I'm I'm appreciative of it. So is the Jif brand. But I guess I got to ask, like, what? why did I have to do that? I mean, what, where were you before? Well, what, what, I, where, what were you doing? The thing was, you you are, got You got plenty of money. I don't know. Like, I don't understand what this is all about. I was never a choosy mother, Greg. I, I understand that. So uh, uh, choosy mother. What, were you, what were you eating, though? I, whatever was least expensive, which generally was <laughs> Jif. Unless if I went to Ohio, was it Ohio where they had that? You'd work that deal? 99 cents, yeah, yeah. 99 cents, Jeff. Yeah, people still talk about it. It's uh, one of the top topics, right? It's, it's, it is in the correct? in the peanut butter game. I would say in the grocery game, Carrie. I mean, we um, just for reference. I mean, I don't know. You go to Schnooks right now. I bet you you're looking at 2.79 for an 18 ounce jar mm-hmm. on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Now they may run a back to school deal at two for three, maybe a dollar ninety nine. Yeah. Uh, but uh, 99 cents, that'll never happen again. Never. No. It's legendary. Yeah. It like really I said, is. I think uh, even the bad moms bought Jif. Mama, this peanut butter tastes good. Don't get used to it, boy. I ain't giving up cigarettes and I ain't giving up Red Bull. So when it's gone, it's gone. Don't think your daddy's going to quit uh, move from school down to beach nothing either. Yeah. I wanted to ask you guys um, if you had heard about this because, uh, you know, you guys – Pretty much have your finger on the pulse of uh, of sports. Uh, I listen quite a bit, um, especially high school sports. Carrie, yeah, the state of Illinois uh, has uh, high school fishing teams. Really? Yes, and this is not uh, like a club at a couple of schools. This is. IHSAA sponsored. They have a, a state championship out there. Which means somewhere uh, there is a uh, high school fishing coach. <laughs> well, you boys embarrassed yourselves out there on that lake today. <laughs> Timmy got his hook caught in a tree. Francis pulled a shoe out of the lake. And Marty, you couldn't catch a fish in the seafood department at Gearbirds. <laughs> I'm going to run you. I'm going to run you till you drop. Then we're going to cast. We're going to cast till your arms fall off. That is a very interesting. How do you train? Like, What is the what is? The I don't care. You're the coach. I, like, I, 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 listen. If, if you fall start, we, we do up-downs at, at practice. Right. But I don't know what the the equivalent is. Some form of casting, okay. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
try and cast <laughs> for, for, for a straight hour and see how your forearms feel. Okay. Like a shake elbow. weight, yeah. And just really a shake weight. Yeah, I think there's yeah. there's certain probably some <laughs> the, the better schools that you know the uh, that specialize. And there's probably uh, there's probably some sort of assistant high school fish, fishing coach out there too. I would imagine. Uh, you know, uh, Larry, you got anything? <laughs> yeah, guys, uh, we're going to have tackle box inspections at uh, 930. Uh, nobody gets on that bus unless they got all their hooks and got all their lures. <laughs> That's amazing. You think there's uh, high school fishing uh, cheerleaders? Oh, there must be. There has to be. Be patient. Be, be, be patient. That won't scare away the fish. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Shut up, Charlene. Yeah. <laughs> Greg, I was watching on YouTube last night, just kind of going over some of your specials, and you have one recently that I really resonated with, because there's some pretty insane college cheers out there. Yeah. So yeah. which one is the worst, in your opinion? Um. Well, I, I've never been a big fan of the Jayhawks, I, you know, all... I went to Missouri. Yes. Um, but uh, you know their their uh, their cheer, rock chalk Jayhawk, which has something to do with uh, <laughs> rock formations oh. underneath uh, the Lawrence, which is really? fascinating stuff for a sports cheer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my problem with it is that, is that they they sing it. Uh, like uh, like you're at a Catholic mass, because you, you know, like, you're just watching a basketball game at Allen Fieldhouse, and he's rock chalk, Jayhawk, in the name of the Father. Uh, there's a few others uh, that uh, you sees is pretty bad. It's like uh, it's really depressing. University of Cincinnati Bearcats. Yeah. It's like. Oh, oh, <laughs> UC. <laughs> it's, it's really bad. Michigan State, do you know that one? Oh, no. I was at a, a show recently, and there was a Michigan State fan, and, the, and he shouted, he was like, go green, go white. I was like... I'd be careful with that go white these days, man. That, 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 I, would, that, I would move those together a little bit. Yeah, because yeah. somebody comes in on the last part of that cheer and didn't get the first part, they're going to wonder where they are. You know, like, I would go, go green, go white. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. How about this one? My parents' alma mater, because I think it was Lindenwood, yeah, played Austin P. Let's go Let's go P. Yeah, yeah. That's, you like that you one? like that one. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's uh, yeah. Let's go P. Yeah, yeah. Um, sure, all right. Missouri, you know, uh, I've got no room to talk. We say uh, M-I-Z, and that is not how you spell Missouri. We are... This is, yeah. this is actually very factual. It yeah, is not. Yeah, yeah it's not. We, it, it, we were the number one journalism school in the country, yet we cannot out. spell wow. the name of our journalism school. Ooh, yeah. That's intriguing. Uh, it's intriguing. Uh, yeah. 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 Hey, uh, I, I, I don't think I've ever asked you this. Is there pressure playing at home? Like baseball, football players play at home. They say, yeah, the pressure's different. Yeah. Is, when you're doing a show at home, is it different? Well, I don't want to jinx it because uh, I do have shows this week uh, yeah, at funny home. Funny Westport. Uh, but uh, no. Okay, good. I mean, I, you, know, you know, the only time I feel pressure anymore is... I, if you if you if it's in a comedy club, I'm pretty comfortable. Mm -hmm. And if I have an hour, which I do uh, mm -hmm. most of the time, I'm pretty comfortable. If it's in a TV studio and it's five minutes, uh, uh, then there's pressure because <laughs> it's uh -huh. like you, you, you know you can't you know I, I know enough tricks to get them now. 
every now and then I feel like if there's somebody there that I'm like, ah, I don't want this person to see me have a bad show. But yeah, no, I, there's not a lot of. What about corporate though? What like when you're in a conference corporate room at can a hotel? Be, corporate can be interesting. Um, <laughs> I do a lot of that, and I've gotten pretty good at it. Uh, I'm clean, uh, and I'm road tested. But it's harder. It's a lot harder mm. because it's just not. It's in like a you know a, uh, sometimes a badly lit hotel conference room at eight thirty in the morning. <laughs> and, you, know, you know, with no everybody's terrible sound. Hangover. Yeah, everybody's got a hangover. You know, uh, and it's like. But I have kind of learned like just keep stepping on the gas. Like uh-huh. just just go and trust yourself. I guess the note that I give myself is like. You know, if this, does, this doesn't work, then who are they going to get th- to make it work? There are. There's people they could get, okay? There's people, but it's I can name a few of them. It's Kathleen Madigan, Jim Gaffigan, Brian Regan, uh, and Jerry Seinfeld. And they they cost way more than me. Yeah, like, right. you, you could, if you could have got them, you wouldn't have got me. Like, that's 50 grand, okay? Like, you uh, yeah. um, no, I, it, it is a little more difficult. And what and about I, cruises? Have you done cruises? I've done a few uh, I just did, man, just out of nowhere. I did, you know who Burt Kreischer is? Mm-mm. Guy without the shirt. Yes. Uh, he's kind of a big, he he's a yeah. big deal comedian. He has like his, his cruise. Like it was like he, all of his fans, like 2000 people bought wow. to see comedy. Uh-huh. And he called me at the, I was sitting at Caldies in Kirkwood. He called me three weeks ago. I, I, I think it was three weeks ago. I was just, I had the weekend off and, uh, he was, and they called and they were like, "Hey, Bert, once you do his cruise, somebody dropped out." So I did that. That was insane. That's that was great. it was a giant. Bert's whole lifestyle is partying, and so yeah. it was it was nuts. That was pretty fun. Who was the person in your family or friend circle that if they laugh at the joke, you know it's a good joke? Like you 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 you're maybe on the fence yeah. and you know or this person laughs, so it, it really is. I got Man, I got one. I try not to trust. <laughs> <laughs> Because they're, you know, you can stop there. I well, try let's not just to say, them. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's just say most jokes are not like stage ready, funny, killer. It takes a while to get mm. it there, man. It could take, you know, sometimes a few weeks, sometimes a few months to okay. get it where you guys see it and it murders 90% of the time. So you got it. Mostly it's comedians, and there's only mm-hmm. two or three uh, that I trust, like to see the potential in in, yeah. in, in, uh, in an idea. Because, like my brother Matt's one of the funniest people in the world. Okay. And uh, early on in my career, I'd be like, "Hey, what do you think of this?" And be like, "Yeah." Man, was, yeah. <laughs> and it would just break your heart. You know, it would, it would just be like, "Well, that, this is horrible." I just, you know, I spent three days coming up with that idea. <laughs> but I had my buddy Mark Gross is a big uh, writer in Hollywood, and he used to be a comic, and we sort of exchange a lot of ideas almost daily. Mike Birbiglia is a comic who, uh, great comic, and I've been, you know, pitching ideas to Mike and listening to his stuff for about 20 years almost. Mm -hmm. I only do that a few times a year with Mike, but, um, and there's a guy named Brendan Ayer who's really funny that... uh, that I trust. No, yeah. you, you say that, and I just I think about this, how depressing it must be to be referred to as a former comic. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, again, Gross is, uh, yeah, he's a former comic. It's semi-depressing to him, other than the fact that he's making millions of dollars a year <laughs> writing television. So I don't know how depressing that is. Yeah. They, they, yeah. CBS pays. Uh, oh, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Greg yeah. Warren is here. He is at the Funny Bone at Westport. Thursday night, one show, two shows on Friday, a uh, couple of shows, three shows on Saturday, and none of the special Sunday activity, huh? Yes. Well, we do have it. I just, I just don't see it here. Yeah, it's um, we're doing the 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 kids show. on. It's a matinee show, 4 o'clock Sunday. Love it. 
And it's, uh, I only do it in a few markets. It's, it's really fun. Uh, bring your kids. It's, it's not a kiddie show. You'll enjoy the show too. Okay. I promise it's a stand up comedy show. It's mostly my act, which is clean anyways, but it's, you know, and we dial it up for the kids, but at the end, uh, for a while we bring kids on stage and, uh, like, it's almost like a talk show. We interview them and let them tell jokes and, wow. um, and yeah. And then some have, uh, you know, one or two, uh, last year, obviously had horrible parents and, uh, they told it very inappropriate jokes oh, no. and we're going to try, uh, to discourage that this year. Yeah. It's like, Oh yeah. You, you didn't think of us. You're nine. I can look out there and see the guy who told you this joke. Yeah. More with Greg coming up on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Greg Warren, great local comedian, is going to be at the Funny Bone at Westport this weekend, Thursday night at 7.30, Friday 7.30 and 9.30, and then Saturday, a special engagement at 5, plus 7 and 9.30. You're going to be a busy man. What is the perfect comedy club for a comedian? Man, Westport's awful close. Really? Low ceilings, uh, pack them in tight, Uh, and, and, uh, you know, good sound. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that hard. Good. Uh, but yeah, that Westport is pretty uh, good home court advantage. And for you specifically, doing three shows on Saturday, are, are you so mentally engaged that like at the end of the third show that you're just gassed or you're yeah, exhausted? Yeah, Saturday I am. Yeah, yeah Saturday. I, I don't usually do three, mm-hmm. um, but you know, my dad's getting up there, so I got to have a show. I added the five o'clock for him and his friends. Nice, good. And then I'm getting up there, Randy. So some oh, yeah. people want to see me. Don't want to come. You know, <laughs> uh-huh. night, so, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying you should do that, Randy. I'm, you, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm probably a seven o'clock. Randy showed up at the midnight one time with yeah. his family. I was like, you really? Gotta, yeah, yeah. yeah. Showed, back when they had a midnight show, he was there. Yeah. I was like, what Randy, are you doing Randy here? Randy has a lot more Funny energy guy. than than people would believe. Yeah. He's a spry young man. Yeah. It's uh, that that was uh, back in the days that you were. You were in your 40s, and you were accidentally dating 23-year-olds. Uh, back in the day. Uh, yeah, you showed up at... Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I she, didn't have a bit about at, that. Yeah. With her parents, right? You had to uh, kind of sit there with her while she wasn't ready? Uh, well, one time... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I I, uh, I don't know the, if the age dating. spread is quite like you said, but it was in that neighborhood. And you were forty, right? One of the parents. Uh, let's get into spe- specifics, Randy. We don't need. But I do remember the, the, the mother was, was uh, my eighth grade science teacher, and that was that's the one. That's the one. All right, you yeah. are a uh, Mizzou guy, Mizzou grad, as you mentioned. Yes, and you have been through all of the heartbreak of Mizzou sports over the years. I, I attended uh, the University of Missouri during uh, the Woody Woodenhofer Bob Stoll era. Oh my, which, uh, that's heartbreak. Was, was rough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So right now things are going well. Is it light at the end of a tunnel, or is it a train coming the other way? I mean, it, it's light, man. We're good. we're we're good. I don't know. I mean, you guys, you guys. I listen to you usually for my sports opinions. So, but from what I can tell. Uh, we're, we're, we're continuing to get good recruits. Uh, they're selling out games. Uh, you know, I don't know if people know that the University of Missouri has an edge in that the state of Missouri was, I think, the first 
state to there's funding in the state of Missouri for NIL. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah, and, that, kids, yeah. and, and that you know, I am very close to the wrestling program at, at Mizzou and that that's helped us quite a bit. Do they ask you for money? Yeah, I've given them some. Uh, not quite as much as uh, so others, good. but yeah, yeah. I mean, they're 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 uh I mean, the Mizzou wrestling team is is ranked uh right now second or third in the nation. Yeah, yeah so uh okay. so yeah, I think the football team I don't know. It seems like, uh, Carrie, do they have the right staff? I mean, I think they have pretty much all of the pieces that they need. I think the last game, the last two games, really, Georgia, you you wish they would have finished it. They had an opportunity to go down, you know, in the fourth quarter, nine minutes left in the game, down by three, and you, you are down by six, and you don't. Finish that 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 drive. You you throw a pick and and you know Georgia goes and puts up another field goal. But last weekend, I thought they did a really good job. We were talking about it. I was worried they threw the pick first quarter. Brady Cook did. I was like, oh, that's not good. But then they had and then they had a twenty play drive that ended with a field goal. And I was like, that's not really good either. Right. So, but they were able to just keep going and 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 keep the process going and keep gnawing at it. And eventually. Tennessee broke. And that's one thing. When you're running the football really well, which they did on Saturday, when you run the ball at people, eventually you can see the point where a team breaks and you're going to win that game. And that's what Mizzou did on Saturday. I'm so glad you said that because I I don't have an eye for football. Uh, My dad was a football coach, Mm -hmm. so we were watching it together. But, yeah, I know in wrestling uh, I could feel when people broke. Yeah. More, more specifically, I feel when I broke. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, the m- most, I think I talked to you guys about it. One of the first matches I had was against uh, Northern Iowa back in the uh, late '80s, and they were really good. And I, uh, what I did in that match, guys, is I got tired. Um, <laughs> here's the thing: you're not supposed to in, in wrestling. You're, you're not supposed to get tired. Uh, but I did, and uh, once I got tired, I was not going to get untired. They, they, they were. It doesn't. It doesn't come back. Does no, it? No, not, not, they were yelling at me, Carrie. They were all yelling at me. I was like, guys, I agree. This is not good. Not what uh, our plan. It's not going to get fixed today. I can. I can assure you. It takes me a while to reset. My coach yelled, uh, "Get up!" I was like. I don't know if you saw, about <laughs> 10 seconds ago, I attempted to do that, and uh, he didn't want me to. Like, he had a problem with that. He threw me back down. That's why I'm here, Coach. Don't you remember that? <laughs> like, we're not watching the same thing. Yeah, you, know, yeah. you, you expect something that it was, I'm it was unable embar- to do. It was a horribly embarrassing moment. The, the, the ref was making fun of me. The crowd was laughing. <laughs> My coach never let me forget about it. And I, I remember this. It was like a month later. I was I was new at Mizzou, and uh, I had some back issues during my whole college career. And How many those? Uh, oh, I, I was about a week back, I guess. Uh, uh, no, Greg, no, 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 So I, I had some back problems, and uh, it was uh, it was the, I was back. I, I don't know, it hurt. And and after practice, coach goes, "We're going to run stairs." And I mean, that means like from the bottom of the herns to the top of the herns several times. It's not like you get up and you're finished. It's like you just got to immediately undo all the work that you did (laughs) and then do it again. And I literally was like, I don't think I can do it because of my back. So I looked at my buddy Davis and uh, everybody's getting ready to go run stairs. And I go, man, my my back is uh, my back is really messed up, man. I go, uh, I don't know if I can do this. I go, you think if I asked Roper if I could just ride the exercise bike (laughs) instead of run stairs, he'd be cool with it. He goes. Yeah, you should ask him. <laughs> you should ask how, him. How is it that you guys all know that, 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 that what the answer was? I, I was naive him. enough to think, okay, okay. Yeah. I asked him. He just looked at me for about five seconds. He goes, 
Warren, you laid down at Northern Iowa. Get on the stairs. <laughs> and I looked out of the corner of my eye, and Davis is is, is giddy, happy. <laughs> you you yeah. should have asked. No, I should not have asked. How is it that I didn't know that back then? I was oh. genuinely optimistic. I'm like, oh, yeah. he's, Davis thinks it's going to be no, fine. It's yeah. a bad totally idea. Fine. Yeah. Bad yeah. idea. Uh, hey, looking forward to seeing you this weekend. Funny Bone Westport. People can get tickets just by going to stlfunnybone.com. I think it's ST Lewis Funnybone. St. Lewis. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, or just Google St. Louis Funny Bone. You STL is a is a site that Randy set up where he siphons off like half the money. <laughs> 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 so, I'm going to get out there for one of the shows this weekend. Just I hit me enjoy up, buddy. You. We always love to have you there, man. Thank you. Thanks for stopping by. You bet, guys. That's the great Greg Warren. You can see him, one of the funniest people that you'll ever encounter, and he'll be at the Funny Bone Westport this weekend. Coming up, we've got some tickets to give away for the Eagles plus rock and roll here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It is the Opening Drive 101 ESPN. Brooke, Carrie, Randy, we head down the stretch and we've got some tickets to give away. The Eagles are coming to town with special guest Steely Dan, February 6th at Enterprise Center. It's the long goodbye final tour. Tickets go on sale Friday at 10. Find all the ticket details and a bonus chance to win free tickets for the show right now at either 101ESPN.com or on the 101 ESPN mobile app. Matthew Rocchio, what are we doing today to give these babies away to some lucky listener? Well, Randy, I thought it was only pertinent that today when we're giving away music tickets, we give we, we have a trivia question about the hottest artist in the world right now. Who would that, that be? That would be Taylor Swift. Oh, so, Carrie Davis. I, you, you just love this, don't you, buddy? Oh, yeah. You're, you're just having the time of your life right <laughs> best, now. Best part of my day. So here's my Taylor Swift trivia. <laughs> Which one of her albums won her first Grammy? Which one of Taylor Swift's albums won her her first Grammy? CD, you, you should know You should have put this in a hat. Yep. <laughs> Name Taylor Swift <laughs> albums. Yeah, you really would have gotten settled. goose egg. I yeah. think she may have renamed them all, too. Uh, I'm not sure about I, that. She didn't the, do that. The original Bad Blood. <laughs> Is that a, that's, that's a song. song. Oh, that's a song. <laughs> All right, texture number, what are we going to go with? Texture number 20. I think you got to go 22. 22, there you go. I mean, come on, it's a Taylor question. Isn't her favorite number 13, 13 though? is her favorite number. Is that the, oh, 13, 13, whatever. Why 13. isn't it 22 is a song. It was, oh, it was a song she did. That's, is that not close enough? Why is okay, it 87? So, uh, why would it be? Oh. I'm sure it is. Yeah. 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 So the bulletin, Why would it be? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the bulletin, <laughs> apparently official. Uh, Travis and Taylor are in love, and uh, the parents now all in. Obviously, Travis was hanging out with her dad at the concert in Buenos Aires. By the way, she was back in New York, hanging out on the streets of New York with her singer-songwriter pal uh, last night. But Donna Kelsey, Travis's mom, was at the Eras concert movie in Florida and a Swifty named Danielle Sparks was seeing it for the fourth time. She said, I couldn't believe it when I saw Donnie Kelsey there. She said it was one of the greatest moments of her life when she met Travis Kelsey's mom last night. If Travis Kelsey's mom is going to see the Swifty movie, that has to tell us that this is true love. Um, Parents I, are all in on this CD. I, I got better questions. Why is that woman seeing the movie for the fourth time? Did it change? She's a Swifty. She okay. is a... Uh, she, she, uh, she, have you met the Swifties? Was it an alternate ending that hmm. maybe you, no, you, you go but have you once. met the Swifties? I have... No. I don't know any have Swifties. Have you seen the Swifties? I have not. And I don't want to get on here and be rude or disrespectful to the Swifties because I don't want people, mm. you know... 
coming after me because I, you know, I, the Beehive, Swifties, the Army, all those, yeah, kind of different people. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I have felt for a while that this relationship, eh, you know, it's good for business, as they say. Marketing oh, geniuses. Good for business. The, the National Football League and Taylor Swift's people are marketing geniuses. It's good for business. But I think what happened is, I think they accidentally fell in love. I don't think there was anything accidental about this. I think that this is true love. I think this is something that has actually been flourishing behind the scenes for a while. Trailer, Travis, Swelsey, or yeah, maybe. (laughs) I just my auto. No, I'm not. I have not. I I did see her run off the stage in in her concert, Mm -hmm. and she did run into his arms, which made me maybe believe that it's become real. And also However, gave a big old smooch yeah, CD. That's, that's about as real as it gets. Yeah. No, I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're not bought in on true love? Is that I what just, you're saying? I don't know, man. I'm 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 probably more focused on what this mean when Travis get means when Travis gets back to work. Today. Is he tired? Is he fatigued from the jet lag, from being out of the country instead of relaxing and resting on your bye week? I'll, I'll bet he's not the only chief that left the country during the bye week. Uh, I don't know that I, I never left the country during the bye week. Yeah, off season, yeah, but during the bye week, it's just not enough time. There's plenty of guys who go out and do things. He's just that supporting right. his true love CD. What will it take for you to believe that this Wedding is real? Bells. That's what it's going to yeah. take. When they, if, if they get married, then I'm like, oh yeah, that was that was real. I was wrong the whole time. Now in six months, if they don't no longer are speaking, then you all can say, well, maybe I was right. Well, what if we have wedding bells, a la Kim K and Chris Humphreys? Eighty-seven days was that? <laughs> it was like seventy-two, 72 days. Yeah, yeah. he yeah. wore number seventy-two the next year when he played uh, for Brooklyn. Was Could that happen. was that real? No, I think that was a TV show. <laughs> well, there you go. I don't but know. I don't man. think I, this is a TV show. I, I think these are just, you don't think you don't think that everybody is benefiting from this uh, think, this relationship. I think they're benefiting in many ways. I agree, and I don't think that you know we are just uh, we're all just we're witnessing we're, we're, true love, CD. I don't know what, show. why Here's you have to be so pessimistic about it. It's beautiful what we're, is we're happening right now. For things it's to galvanize America, and for ninety nine percent of America, this is galvanizing this us. Is, this is but the, you. <laughs> Are just out there being the, the, the ne'er do well. The guy who says, "No, I don't believe this." I just, uh, you know, it, it's it's been a lot. You know, they, they, they were showing her every time they were in Kansas City on the TV. Yeah, I don't have, I do not have anything against Taylor Swift. I do not mm, want people to. Sounds feel, like it. I don't. I don't. I don't really know her music, but I know a few songs if they if they play. But mm-hmm. I, I'm not a Taylor Swift hater. You're not a Swifty. But I'm not, not, I'm a, not a Swifty, but I'm not a hater. That's cool. I just, you know, I'm a Travis Kelsey fan, and I, I want him to succeed and do well. And if this is what he wants, then, you know. And, yeah, you're, this, talking, this, and you're talking about business, CD. This has been great business for Travis for Kelsey. His jersey sales going up. His yeah. podcast with his brother absolutely soaring right now. This has been good business. And he's on a lot of commercials right now, too. Yeah, this would not be happening for Trey McBride. Who, <laughs> 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 so, by the way, maybe picked up this week by... Kyler's uh, film room. Oh, well. Good Doing some her. scouting there? Yeah. Hey, what type of scouting? Not the Michigan scouting, are you? <laughs> oh, no. I, I don't, <laughs> clearly, you look at my record, I don't do I, I do not do the Michigan scouting. Oh. Yeah, well, maybe one day. So do the Blues keep it going tonight? Tampa Bay is in town. Virtually yes. the same record. Blues in the second wild card spot in the west. Tampa Bay in the second wild card spot in the east as we speak. Blues are hot. I, I, we can't know, but it kind of looks like they're figuring things out. 
Four of their last five games have been wins. They have decided to play well in in multiple games, which was one of the concerns you had earlier in the season, just the ups and downs of, of how their season was going. So I, I'm beginning to trust them and believe that defensively they're going to be sound as long as they're taking shots, which for whatever reason was an issue earlier mm-hmm. on in the season. As long as they're taking shots and, and, and doing that, they have an opportunity to win games. And also the power play working. I think How that that is that? essential. Special teams, a huge part. Penalty kill was great in that last game, too. And Jordan Bennington, I agree with what Curb said the other day. He is the key when it comes to the Blues' success this season. When they were able to get off to the start that they did the other night, 13 saves for him. So he was a big part of that. So the offense could get rolling. So if they can do that again, I I want to be excited about this Blues team. I don't want to go through another few weeks of a roller coaster of no. up and down. I'm hoping this is a sign of greater things to come. And maybe that's just me be, being silly and just wanting something nice this year because we went through all that with the Cardinals. Yeah, we did. And the Blues. And now we year. know it's going to happen with the Cardinals again because Wilking Rodriguez oh, no. has elected free agency. Randy. <laughs> Hey, that was a big, the WBC and Wilking Rodriguez, if, if you want to go 1-1-A for what ailed the Cardinals <laughs> Which year. one was more important? Which one is 1-1-A? One, one oh, I, I think it had to be Wilking. They were okay. counting on him. Yes, they were. <laughs> and now they can't Taking count him on him again. Rule 5 draft and oh, after man. he had kind of fixed his career after not playing in the majors for nine years. Go Cards. <laughs> Who would have thought eight. that betting on Wilking Rodriguez, Tyler O'Neill, Jack Flaherty, all these people working out might work. have been some issues? Yeah, could have been. Uh, <laughs> but it happened. Uh, a great job today. Uh, by the way, 6 o'clock pregame for Blues and Lightning, 7 o'clock faceoff. Uh, Curbs and Joey will have the call. Great job today by our producer, audio, video engineer, the one, the only, Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. I got to know if Kerry thinks Mar- uh, Illinois is getting on the upset tonight. Against Marquette. Uh, Number four. ILL. I and I. There you go. Your mic was off when you said it. I and I. Thank you, sir. Conveniently. It was. How about that? How about that? How about that? CD? Show your face. We want to see your face. Who's saying that? You want to see my face? Hey, we've got a balloon party coming up. T-Mac and Ajax with you until 11, then BK and Ferrario, and then the fast lane from 2 to 6 before Blues Hockey. For all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. And now for something completely different. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.